Olivia. It's Charlie. And here are the content warnings for the upcoming episode. Content warning racism. Fat phobia. 9-11. Homophobia. Islamophobia. Anti-Semitism. And sexual assault and harassment. Wow. Thanks for tuning in. Also, this is a 2001 rom-com. Yes. So with homophobia, we're just playing the odds. Like yeah. we were we were going over the content warnings just now and it was like, I don't want to explicitly remember something homophobic. But there has to be something. It's good in there. to be safe. And if we're wrong, you we're know wrong. we're fucking um, wrong. Yeah. But that's it. Right? That's it. Enjoy the episode, everybody. That's true. Get in there. to episode two of season two of Tropes and Dreams. Wow. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we may have some new listeners due to an unbelievable write-up we got in Vulture. In Vulture. Not to brag, but to brag so Not much. Not to brag, but so suck cool. on these titties. We got, <laughs> we got a fucking write-up. We fucking did it. Holy oh my shit. god. And it was on, like, the worst sounding episode. It was a very good episode. I think we were very funny. I think so The too. sound quality was maybe, like, Worst or second to worst. Second worst. One, we just didn't plug in the microphone. She's all that. We (laughs) fully didn't have the podcast um, mic plugged into the computer. We sacrifice She's All That to the podcast gods because we can't, uh, in good conscience, have our name attached to that episode. (laughs) No one knows. Who hosted the episode? No, no, no. She's all that. They sound uh, a lot like us, but they're less cool and they're stupid because they didn't plug this mic in. Holy fucking Um, shit, but this past episode, um, I was editing it and I did slightly too much to try to get the air conditioner quiet and it made our voices sound bad. And then I did 30 hours of editing the podcast. (laughs) And then I was like, damn, it sounds bad. I hope that my friend... A uh, sound engineer who is very generous with his time can fix this, and he was like, "I literally, can't. I straight it's up, like, it's like it's like a kid bringing you a dead bird and being like, let's you fly, let's nurse it back to health." And you're like, oh, "Oh, that's been dead for weeks." Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you brought this to me two weeks ago, <laughs> I could help you. Yeah, Evan um, said, "Damn, guys." Mm-hmm. Uh, he, mm-hmm. well, he was very sweet. He was like, "You don't have to redo it." I'm just saying that. As a sound engineer, <laughs> is my professional opinion that you should not do that. To yeah, people. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so we elected to redo the whole thing. Yeah, and it sounded like there was an AC unit on in the background the because whole time. there was, and uh-huh. Evan made it quieter. Yes, but it was still there. Uh huh. AC being what it is, <laughs> the whole thing. Be that as it may. Be that as it may. Olivia and I have a sincere apology to make to our audience That's as true. well as to. Um, everybody who's come in contact with us. So you know, because you've read the title of this episode, that we did Bridget Jones's Diary. And we have had the wrong opinion about this movie for our whole lives. Our I lives. saw it maybe when I was like 16 or 17, and I I got like 20 minutes into this movie, and I was like, I don't care about this. Yeah. And I stopped it. I think Liv had a similar thing. Had the same experience, yeah. And so we were like, um, we're gonna do this one, and we're gonna rip it up. It's gonna be so fun. And How then, is everyone wrong about this yeah, movie it's but so us? crazy that we have the right opinion. <laughs> and then, like, we were looking, we were watching the movie, and then like 10 minutes in, we looked at each other, and then we were like, uh. And then and like 21 minutes in, And we gets... were like, we looked at each other, and we were like, is this a really fucking good movie? God damn 
comment. We, yeah, it handed our asses directly to us. Oh my this god. fucking movie because it really it does and obviously you know we'll talk about this is what the episode's about. It starts a little slow slower. as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, the it movie, doesn't start slow. It starts like a rom com. It well, takes us a minute to like click into place. Yes, but it also is so um, quintessentially British discomfort comedy. Oh sure, shit. sure, sure. In the first 20 minutes, and the way that it is, like, colored, because it's British and it's supposed to make you feel sad because her life's so fucking sad, yeah. it is uncomfortable as fuck. Yes. And it really, like, we were talking about this after we watched it, just, like, the way that when this movie came out, um, you were either seeing it in the theaters or you rented a DVD, and that was the movie you rented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just that movies could get away with being hard to watch at first, because the stakes of watching that movie are higher, and you have fewer options. So you don't mm-hmm. have streaming services. This is the movie. Yeah. So even if it sucks a little bit, we're gonna get to the end. Yeah. Because we're we at least a... gonna get 25 minutes well, in, because exactly. we have to give it a chance, because, because this is what for we this and we're got. Here. Right, yeah. exactly. But, you know, if you're pirating and torrenting the movie, you're like, fuck this. There are 6,000 other movies for free on the, the, on the internet. On the internet. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah, I really think that that was a huge factor for me because it was just like, man, I'm like a teenager. I want to watch a movie on my iPod Touch mm-hmm. in my bedroom by myself on a Tuesday. Yeah, and this isn't immediately doing it for me. So and I fuck think this. it was a little too smart for me yeah. at the time that I watched it because I was interested in a proposal situation. Yes. I wanted a, you know, like yeah. I I needed like Sandra. Bullock. Where is the score to tell me how I should feel? That's like true. where is it and. It was just not quite doing it for no, me. No, no. And one thing that I remember um, that I still feel strongly about that didn't keep me from enjoying the fuck out of this movie, but mm-hmm. I was right. Renee Zellweger's British accent is so bad. Otherworldly It's kind so of fucking bad. bad. Um, and I, was, I read a lot about this movie um, to talk to you about it. And <laughs> <laughs> did you know, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we do that. That's the whole podcast! <laughs> wow! Um, yeah, she was, like, lauded for the accuracy of her southeastern English accent and, like, bite me! That's <laughs> wrong! Holy fucking shit! She's American. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. No, oh, no. yeah. Because for some reason I was like, she could be Australian. Australian She's got that mouth. do British way better. Oh, sure. Because the shapes of the words are more similar. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. Maybe well, just I mean, Australian people and English people see each other more. But. Right? They're closer. <laughs> they see each other more? Well, just like you're more in contact with like people in Europe and shit if you're in Australia than you are if you're in the United States, right? We're super isolated over here. We don't talk to Europeans very often. Is that right? Yeah, because we're stupid. But yeah, I just right. think that's hilarious. <laughs> It's just not that, like, all English people and all Australian people get lunch once a quarter. I'm just like... Oh, I love that. It's like government-mandated pen pals. (laughs) Listen! Yeah, well, I mean, Gregory, 62, will be talking to Timothy, 13. Or I swear to God, honestly, that is not super far off from how they're, like, surveilling people for COVID. That is true. They're making you, like, FaceTime... The police from your house every two hours to like prove that you're, you're still in your house. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Well, no, I mean, I think I'm specifically thinking about like when I have had to do either an Australian accent or a British accent mm-hmm. for a role or something. It's different, but 
your mouth makes the same shape. Sure, sure. I mean, generally, right? Australians came from, but so did we. English is the thing. Oh, you're not wrong on that. I'm just not. <laughs> but um, wow, is it welcome to us looking so fucking <laughs> stupid? O'clock. Has what Charlie had fuck? two and a half drinks, and by Jewish metric, <laughs> I've had eleven and a half drinks. <laughs> So I don't know why you're acting so silly. You've only had two and a half drinks. And a bowl. Oh, there we go. Of salad. And a different bowl of marijuana. (laughs) You're either eating both or smoking both. You can't do one or the other. (laughs) Mm, Wow. Is it time for us to shut the fuck up? I would like to say, how are you, Olivia? Oh my god. Um, I would like to say. I would like to ask. Yeah. I I'm good. I'm very tired. Um, it's been kind of a go 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 situation mm. past however many weeks, um, and I don't think that will change. We're doing a starting a new pop up build next week, cool. um, and it will be a ten day long build, and I will not sleep. Yeah, but after that, what's the build? Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Great. But it's gonna be spooky. Ooh! Oh! (laughs) Thank you for asking. Um. Damn! (laughs) I didn't give you a lot of rollover time. How are you? (laughs) You just said something spooky, and I got very excited. Yeah, her spidey senses started fucking Kill Bill (laughs) sirening. My spidey senses, meaning um, all of the spiders started crawling out of my mouth, because it's fucking spooky season. I am good. I, every time I go outside of my house, I buy... A Halloween-themed item. That's having chauffeured her to most errands <laughs> in the past three weeks. I can confirm that. So much spooky stuff is in my house. I have lanterns. I have stuff hanging on my door. I have, um, is it autumnal? Yeah. Autumnal garlands she hanging. Um, She's got a little wreath. Wreath on my door. Both sides of the door. Yeah, it's the one on the outside of her door is super dorky. I took care of her cat recently, and I walked in the front one time, and I was like, "It's got a spider on it and glitter." I think it's so cute. Um, I love it. It's so spooky. Um, I don't care that it's still eighty degrees every day. Yeah. It's spooky fucking season. No. My partner and I are watching just Halloween themed episodes of sitcoms. That's so Treehouse of Horrors, like oh. fun, fun shit. Oh, also, shout out to Olivia Catherine Love Haddlestead. She just put up a bunch of shit in my house, and it looks amazing. She put up a cow skull, and shelves, and stuff to hold my wine glasses, and mirrors, and... I did. It was fun. It looks so fucking good. I do this thing where I play America's Next Top Model, and I prop it up, and I mostly treat it like a podcast. I, (laughs) I rarely am looking at it unless, like... Someone says something that makes me tune in and go, I wonder what that looks like right now. Yeah. Like, I'm halfway interacting with sure. the media. Sure, sure, sure. And sure. I bop around, and I hang out with your cat, mm-hmm. and I start to put something up, and then I'm like, damn, I wonder what Charlie's leave-in conditioner would feel like in my hair. And then I put that in my hair, and then um, I put up something else. It's nice. It's very it's the nice. the purple bottle one, right? It's, yes, it's it's why you smell so nice. It's yeah. what you smell like. Oh, yeah? It's, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. very good. Um, it was very good. I didn't... Uh, Sweat. Good. Which is a testament to how much I, like, lazed about. Sure. Because <laughs> if I had done all of those tasks one after the other, I would have Be needed sweaty. to shower twice. Sure. Before we could do this podcast. Sure. 
I'm glad you hung out there. Me too. Uh, my cat, I've been gone on and off for like a month and a half, yeah. and my cat is freaking out. Yeah, she was she was extremely clingy. Um, she's like, I gotta be in the room that you're in so yeah. that you don't leave. I sent you those pictures. She was on top of your kitchen cabinets, like, yes. napping when yes. I came in. She loves it up there. Wow. She likes to be tall. She likes to be <laughs> tall. Wow. She does. Fantastic. Anyways, I... Wow, I don't know. We started this episode a couple times because I started, like, incoherent <laughs> rambling about 9-11 and Charlie was like, <laughs> start so over. And, like, yeah. and, then, and then the other time that we started over, she went, Hello. <laughs> She didn't want that to be the start I of the didn't. episode. I, f- I felt like, uh, um, come on down to the lab. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Frank and Porter. Or yeah. a, a John Waters character, yes, you just, know? Yeah, sort of a John Waters umbrella yeah. that I don't really want to yeah. fall under. No shade, it's just... <laughs> Maybe not right at the beginning. Not at the start, yeah, we gotta ease them in. I, yeah, we're, um, not gonna, we're not gonna do, like, a Vincent Price voice <laughs> for the rest of the episode. Um, um, we're gonna do Christopher Walken. Yeah! Oh, I wish I could do. No, I was just gonna say, I really picked an impression that I, what, cannot do. do. The only thing I can do is Foo Fighters! <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can do. And I did it, what, poorly. <laughs> I think that's wrong. I think that was amazing. Thank you. I can, I can hear, I have the movie Hairspray Oh, oh, we watched it once, and it's just both of us, like, staring each other in the eye, like, saying exactly what they're saying on the screen. But I can, I can hear his lines in my head, and I could, like, halfway do one, but I, god, I get, when I am by myself, not to say that I spend a tremendous amount of time by myself practicing accents, but it's not zero. No, it's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. I'm so good at it by myself. Genuinely, I can really do it. What? And obviously Christopher not- Christopher Walken? Just, yeah. Uh, oh, Christopher yeah. Walken, but just, like, accents in general. Sure. And then- Anytime I am in a social situation and I do an accent, it's the most... Because you have to be three or four drinks in to bring it out, and then by that time, it's like, you going over there, mate? And it's like, oh no, who let the accent girl into the That's party? That's true, the accent girl, because yeah, I mean, accent girl is never sober. No. So it's just no. like, not only is she doing those voices... But she's that drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God yeah. damn. God damn. Well, the reason that I brought up 9-11 in passing to reference the times I brought it up more was to say that we inadvertently uh, chose a 2001 film mm-hmm. to talk about today. We talked about, we saw, uh, we are going to talk about it in the future, but we haven't yet. Bridget Jones's Diary. Um, this film came out in 2001, and I looked it up because the whole question was, um, did it come out? Pre or post 9-11. Right. Um, and it came out less than a month before 9-11. It came out August 13th. Hot shit. Uh, 2001. Mm-hmm. Like, we... We're timing things up. We're a half a step off. We're a relative that yeah. texts you five days after your birthday. To be like, damn, birthday! Thinking about you! Here's a nice thing for your birthday! And you're yeah. like, great! It... Oh, it was... It was a week ago. We're but so close. It's so fine. We did the Valentine's Day episode, like, a week after Valentine's uh-huh. Day... Um, even though we had an episode coming out the week of Valentine's Day, we just, like, <laughs> didn't fucking think past the end of our good goddamn noses. Uh-huh. Um, we did that shit with Pride Month. We timed it so that Hitch was one of the movies that fell in Pride Month, <laughs> even though we're gay and adults. And wanted to do stuff for Pride Month. Yeah! Oh, fuck me. And so this is no different. This mm-hmm. 2001 movie and the fact that 
with cultural context for 2001, I have to fucking talk about 9-11 happening a few days after 9-11. Yep. I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny. Or I would argue that had I uh, made the connection, maybe I would have said, let's wait on this movie. Sure. But, alas, a fucking lack. We did Bridget Jones' Diary. We did do Bridget Jones' Diary. Um, I think that's how I'm going to say it, hopefully, the whole time. Jones's? I think Bridget Jones' Diary. Yes. I think I'm I'm confident in that. How do you feel about that? I think Jones's is fine. I just think that English is a nightmare. Sure. You know, which Mm -hmm. is its own, we can... And that's not my fault. So stop blaming me for that, okay? (laughs) It's rude of you. I'm going to back off. You should, because I need to talk about uh, Renee Zellweger (laughs) right now. Exactly who she is in this exactly movie. Exactly who she is in this movie. Um, so, Renee started in A Taste for Killing. <laughs> she was uncredited in Dazed and Confused, Love, and a 45. Wow, so does that mean she was just, like, an extra in Dazed and Confused? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Um, she was in Empire Records, oh, wow. which is a big one, which may have set her up to be in Jerry Maguire, which seems to be, like, I don't know how her breakout movie was with Tom Cruise, like, that doesn't feel quite right. She must have taken some more steps, but nothing before Empire Records and Jerry Maguire was anything I knew. Interesting. Um, she was also in One True Thing, Me, Myself, and Irene with Jim Carrey, and then Chicago, Down With Love, which we have to do for the podcast. Ian McGregor. Why is that familiar? We it's Ian McGregor, and she is, like, a 60s writer who writes this crazy book that's like women don't need men at all we're here to fuck um have kids and then you need to get out of my life down with love why why i think i've seen this it's fantastic at least i loved it when i was 15 and if it's actually horrible nobody um, can cancel her yeah nobody (laughs) i've protected myself from canceling but um cinderella man she was in the b movie uh leatherheads New in Town, she was also in the Bridget Jones's, Bridget Jones's sequels. Yeah, you did. Um, which was like Bridget Jones's Baby, Bridget Jones's, which also, Bridget Jones's Baby has Patrick Dempsey in it, because after the second one, Hugh Grant was like, no, thank you, and he's not in the movie anymore. That is so Um, and then the biggest thing that she's done recently is Judy. She was in a Judy Garland biopic. In, like, 2019? Maybe 2020. Wow. Um, I was just gonna say, I was... I was very excited to see that. And then something happened. It evaporated from my consciousness, and I think it's because of the timing. I think so, too. Uh, something did happen. (laughs) Yeah. Something big. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) Um, we have actually two other stars of this film, and I think this is the first time we have Colin Firth in anything, even though he is... A heavy hitter of the British rom-com genre. That's true, which means that I know him less well because sure. my I, British romance film knowledge. I is love it. Less. It's so fucking good. Um, Colin really started out. I think the way every English actor has to and does shit like Crown Court or A Month in the Country. Which are his first two build things on IMDb. He was also in The Secret Garden, Femme Fatale, Circle of Friends. And then I think maybe his big break on English film was his 1995 Pride and Prejudice. 
Which brings me into <laughs> everybody I have ever met is fucking canceled. Because nobody told me that Bridget Jones's diary is Pride and Prejudice. Nobody fucking told me. Nobody told me. My close friends, people I've met in coffee shops, my beloved professors, nobody fucking told me. I have watched every single iteration of Pride and Prejudice possible. And, like, a lot. And so She's many times. a lot. The 1995 Colin Firth BBC miniseries is six, like, six hours long. I've seen it, like, 20 times. Everybody's fucking cancelled. We were really watching this movie, and it was, like, the slowest burn in history. <laughs> we're watching it, and he gets introduced as Mark Darcy, and I was like, Darcy? So silly. That's weird. Like, what a weird choice for them to make. There's already a very famous Mr. Darcy. Darcy. And then after a little while- And then I was like, like, that's so silly, because that's, like, she overhears Mr. Darcy she saying something. She kept calling so it. She kept being like, well, he's gonna say this, and, like, this is gonna, like, oh, he's engaged now. And, like, she was, like, so <laughs> smug about it. She was like, Wow. Am I just a rom-com god? And then in the middle of the movie, something says Pemberley Press. And I was like, there's no fucking way! There's no way that this keeps happening! Everybody's canceled. This is my last hangout with Olivia Catherine Lovett. <laughs> I'm in the doghouse, even though I've she seen didn't know. It doesn't matter. Barely seen Pride and Prejudice, and I had not seen this. Oh movie. my god, it doesn't matter. Wow, it's crazy how we managed to circumvent uh, this knowledge, though. Bridget Jones' Diary is like one of the most famous classic rom-coms. Rom -coms. Anyways, back to the <laughs> back to the task at hand. Pride and Prejudice. 1995, which is hilarious. This came out in 2001. So basically, English film was like, damn, you did that so good six years ago. Would you please do that again? And he said, I absolutely will. Yeah. And he did it again. Um, but he was in The English Patient, Fever Pitch, A Thousand Acres, Shakespeare in Love, um, The Importance of Being Earnest, What a Girl Wants, Girl with the Pearl Earring, Love Actually, Nanny McPhee, Mamma Mia, A Single Man, The King's Speech, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Kingsman, Mary Poppins. This dude is so in his fucking bag and has made so many genuinely fantastic movies. I j Colin Firth, let's kiss a little bit. Um. <laughs> Not to make it weird. Come over. <laughs> yeah. You up? Um, anyways. Um, but not to be outdone. Not to be outdone by our boy, Hugh motherfucking Grant. He, we're just, you already know the stuff that he's been in because he's we Hugh did. fucking Grant. He's Hugh fucking Grant. But the main things, Maurice was a big one where he's gay. Um, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Sense and Sensibility, Notting Hill, About a Boy, Love Actually, The Gentleman. He really, to name a few, um, he really has been Hugh Granting for so long. Holy goodness gracious. Um, he's so hot. He's, he's, he's so such a cute. fucking fox. He's such a fox. Oh my god. Oh wow. Oh my. Oh. It's hard to think about anything else. <laughs> like, there are so many rom-coms, dude. There's so many rom-coms where you're yeah. like, sure. And you have moments with the male lead where you're like, whatever. Right. Hot in the most who cares kind of way. Right. With maybe a little flavor and maybe not. And maybe not. And you don't Just care. Like a dude who's nice. Yeah. That's all true. And Hugh Grant is so fucking, he, he stirs things. <laughs> oh my god. He's a stirring lead. <laughs> he really changes things about you because it's like, 
do you think my boyfriend could maybe wear that kind of jacket now? <laughs> like, it's like one of those. I'm gonna put my boyfriend in a slightly too small button down. I'm gonna pour water over All his head. over him. We're gonna fall into a lake real sexy. Just real quick. Very soon. Yeah, it's really stirring. And then at the end of this movie, not to spoil it, but it came out 20 years ago. Um, We shouldn't. No, I'll just say Colin Firth has a line. Oh, he gets hot. It makes makes the pussy throb. (laughs) (laughs) And it do! Oh! It's just just like (laughs) most shockingly sexually attractive man I've ever seen lead in any rom-com Oh my god, yes! Oh! Yes, just like the scenes are fucking hot. Ah! And it's like, normally you can watch a rom-com with your mom. You're like, they're kissing. They're right. falling. I whatever. would not watch that with a family member. Oh my god. No. Holy god. No, that's a like, oh. Huh, it's also like, oh, this is making me think about a lot of things right now. Yep. I hope Cynthia isn't thinking about a lot of things right now. Like, yeah. Wow. I, I don't, it's, you, it's, oh, it's, <laughs> It does that to you. It's really crazy. Oh, fuck. Wow. Yeah. Damn, son. I did not. The thing is, if I had gotten far enough in this movie when I was, like, 15. Yeah. To get to the, like, first sex scene with Hugh Grant. Yeah. In no fucking universe would I not have finished that entire movie (laughs) with the screen, like, an inch from my fucking eyeballs. (laughs) Holy shit. Holy shit. Wow. But we should get some cultural context. Ah, yes. Okay. So, new listeners, Charlie does actors involved in the film. I do. I do production and cultural context of the year that the film was made and the cultural context for 2001. Um, Like we mentioned, in U.S. and, like, worldwide news, um, 9-11 happened. 9-11 happened because our country was like, damn, we do this to other people constantly, but it happened to us for the first time, really, and in that's modern different. history. And that is that is shaking my fundamental understanding of what life looks like. Sure. Just like, just like that this thing could happen mm-hmm. when my definition of American life was that these things don't happen here. Just mm-hmm. like people using that admittedly very jarring and traumatic experience to justify, like, off-the-fucking-rails batshit bananas nationalism and mm-hmm. racism and specifically Islamophobia hoo, hoo, woo, and yeah. to justify a nearly inexplicable war well it's explicable but it's not explicable for the right fuck it bad we just got out of Afghanistan and fucking five fucking minutes ago yeah 2001 it's Bush 20... was like is it time to go to Iraq like three weeks after 9-11 based oh on God. virtually nothing yeah Oh my fucking god! But, uh, yeah, 9-11, um, it happened a month after this movie came out, and hate crimes against, uh, Arabs went up, uh, 1600%. 1600%. 1600%. As well as just people of color. Yeah. Like, are you not white? Oh, it's time to- Oh, you're a terrorist. Like, our culture is based on that day. Mm -hmm. Like, everything in our culture and, like, our idea of nationalism and so many things that we don't even really think about anymore are based in the fact that 9-11 happened and what our government did in response and said in response. And we were completely raised in that. There was no getting out of that box. Well, exactly. Just, like, 
Mm-hmm. It is, we are completely post 9-11, products of the post 9-11 version of the sure. Instance, right? Sure, Um, yeah, uh, forgive me, the, I think what I was citing was hate crimes against Muslims, um, but, I mean, Arabs also got pretty indiscriminately targeted, sure. uh, non-white people. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, according to this article that I'm looking at from, oh no, it was just that, uh, hate crimes against Muslims in 2016 exceeded, uh, those of... 2001. Really? So. So because. Because of, of Trump shit. Fascism. Right. From Dead Trump. ass. You can, you can put your finger on the one guy. Like, not that these things didn't exist, but like that, in, that horrible resurgence. Yeah. And just like something that my partner told me that was fucking wild was that when Bush was campaigning, mm-hmm. um, a bunch of his platform was like, very, his platform was very conservative, right? You know, religiously conservative. Um, his campaign targeted Muslims, targeted the Muslim community, um, not like as a scapegoat, but as like a voter demographic. They were like, damn, those are religious and conservative people. They could vote for us. Mm-hmm. So they spent the campaign appealing to that demographic. And then less than a year later, they were like, damn, did you know that you got us elected? And you are now and now it's get time. fucked. Yeah, now it's it's get fucked forever. Yeah. Oh my fucking god, dude. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and like the I was listening recently to a podcast. They're great. It's called You're Wrong About, and it's just like two hosts going back and forth with like an uber researched um, two hour episode about just like common misconceptions about like. A pop culture event or a historical event, and this one was just about, like, the Dixie Chicks and the Iraq War, and they were just listing all these unbelievable things that, like, in 2001, post-9-11, for Halloween, like, there were schools who, like, who were like, damn, you can't come dressed as anything other than, like, the American flag. Like, you have to do, like, patriotic costume. Your kids legally can't be vampires on Halloween this year. Fucking, Brandon was talking about Freedom Fries. Yeah, because because France would not join us in our war against terror. We renamed French fries. What the fuck? Anyways, yeah, I mean, (laughs) what the fuck? And uh, this was an English film. This was an English film, right? And so all the pop culture stuff that I have, a lot of it is like world and UK. It's not necessarily US specific. Sure. However, in the UK, three hundred ninety thousand one hundred twenty-seven people. 0.8% 0.8% of voters, or, uh, not voters, but citizens, um, in the United Kingdom stated that their religion was Jedi on their 2001 census form, which surpassed Sikhism, Judaism, and Buddhism in England, making it the fourth largest reported religion in the country. Oh, great. So, thinking about, was like, really on one, the people that were, like, <laughs> just thought, people that were coming out to the movies in 2001, there was a... Not insignificant contingent of people who religiously identified as Jedi. Jedi. Love that. Oh, yeah. Movies included Shrek, Harry Potter, The Sorcerer's Stone, Monsters, Inc., Legally Blonde, and Ocean's Eleven. Wow. The most famous fictional person was Harry Potter. The most famous real person was Angelina Jolie. Island in the Sun was a big song. And this movie uh, came out in the UK. I have some interesting facts about it, and then we should start talking about it, yeah? Yeah. Okay, director Sharon McGuire. This was her breakout film. One of the screenwriters and two of the three producers worked on Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral. So if you were like, this was a great fucking British (laughs) rom-com that hit... 
that was like very sexy yeah. and had like a very strong ensemble of realistic best friend characters mm-hmm. and co-workers. There's a um, fucking reason. The same people did that. Yeah. They did it. And they really fucking did it. Um, Richard Curtis, Andrew Davies, Helen Fielding, Tim Bevan, motherfucking Helen Fielding wrote the book, British Jones Diary. So she British was, Jones's Diary. Yes. So it was adapted from a book. British Jones's Diary. <laughs> I stand firm in my original statement. Yes. British, British. You were so confident. You were like, yeah, the movie that Did we I watched. fucking stutter? <laughs> um, oh my god. Helen, good congratulations. Um, producers Tim Bevan and Eric Fellner worked on Four Weddings and a Funeral in Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Cavendish. And it made... $282 million on a budget of $25 million. 282 Yeah. Holy God. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they like, really oh! hit that one out of the park. And everybody said, yeah, people, yes, please. People saw it and they were like, that was the sexiest <laughs> fucking day I've ever seen. Wow. Let's go g- get into let's it. Let's do it because the plot summary is long. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say that uh, just because I found a new section on Wikipedia. Um, it's casting. And so people who are considered for Renee Zellweger's oh, fun. role are Helena Bonham Carter, Kate Blanchett, Emily Watson, Rachel Weiss, and Cameron Diaz. Rachel Weiss was considered too beautiful for the role. Weiss. Weiss? Sure. I think it's Weiss. And I believe, I don't feel strongly about that sure. at all. Um, she is so life-changingly beautiful. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, so pretty and that's, they were like, we can't. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Tony Collette declined the role because she was on Broadway. And good for fucking her. Yeah, Tony Collette can do whatever the fuck she whatever wants. Whatever she wants. Also, That's like, true. this character is funny. Tony Collette is funnier than this character. Oh, for sure. Tony Collette. Uh, what the fuck? No, 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 She's so fucking uh, She's also in United States of Terra, which yeah. is one of the best shows, I mean, I've ever seen. God, Tony. Do you want to hang out? Let's <laughs> fucking kick it. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. Uh, this movie made a lot of money. Um, reception was generally positive. It was nominated for motherfucking everything. Um, it was nominated for a BAFTA and a Golden Globe. Um, all the lead actors were nominated for shit. Uh, like, best actor, funniest actor. Wow, so cool. Great. Oh, MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss. Shared with Colin Firth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's because... Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Yeah. I mean, this movie did very well. People liked it. I mean, the ways that it is weak are worth talking about, but it is substantively one of the best movies that we've watched on oh, this yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. And we say that thinking we were right before, oh, and we fuck. just yeah, I've wrong. never been this wrong. Never I've been this lived wrong about a, it. A long and happy <laughs> and flawed life, and this is the wrongest I've ever been. Um, let's get into the plot. I think we should. Bridget Jones is thirty-two, single, engagingly imperfect, and worried about her weight. She works at a publishing company in London, where her main focus is fantasizing about her handsome boss, Daniel Cleaver. At her parents' New Year party, Bridget is introduced to Mark Darcy, a childhood acquaintance and barrister, son of her parents' friends. 
Mark finds Bridget foolish and vulgar, and Bridget thinks Mark is arrogant and rude, and is disgusted by his novelty Christmas jumper. Overhearing Mark grumble to his mother about her attempt to set him up with a, quote, verbally incontinent spinster who smokes like a chimney, drinks like a fish, and dresses like her mother, unquote, Bridget decides to turn her life around. She begins keeping a diary to chronicle her attempts to stop smoking, stop drinking, lose weight, and find her Mr. Right. Oh, let's right. get, get, get into it. Oh, um, wow. My first note is Renee with that accent. Because <laughs> the thing is, has has any American done, like, a good English accent? I know there's, like, literally two, and sure. I can't think of either Do of them. Do you know what my brain just said to me? What's that? Gary Oldman. <laughs> I think there's a lot to unpack there. I... Oh, Correct me if no. I'm wrong. Isn't he extremely British? He's so fucking British. <laughs> <laughs> he's so he's Harry fucking Potter British. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. So fucking but here's British. the thing: so is every other British actor. <laughs> I correct me if I'm wrong. Once again, there are in fact twelve people on the island of Great Britain. That and is they true. They are all actors. They are all actors. They, they have are... to pass all the fucking <laughs> industry creatives around. Fucking same accent coach from mm. Gwyneth Paltrow in Shakespeare in Love. Which oh is my crazy. god. <laughs> oh my god. But the thing is, somebody needs to stop her. They gotta stop letting Americans try to be British. They really do. Because we're bad at it. Americans don't understand the, like, dryness. Being British is just, like, Colin Firth delivered a line within the first half hour of this movie and Charlie was like, that was the most British thing I've ever <laughs> fucking heard. Like, the intonation of that sentence was so fucking it was British. so british it was and if anybody less sexy than him said it i would be like i can't watch this well i mean movie. that is really the banner the flag under which this film flies is mm-hmm. like if anybody other than exactly the man who is saying those words said those words i couldn't fucking do I it i couldn't do this this movie would go from being so good to unwatchable uh-huh. like hugh grant's fucking character that is a guy who should be like, group murdered by so many ladies. Objectively. Every lady who meets him on the street gets He's entitled a to one stab. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes! Oh my fucking god, he sucks so fucking bad. He sucks and so bad. Colin Firth is a douchebag. So, oh, he's such a fucking twat. Yeah. Except he's Colin Firth and it's Hugh Grant. Like, and, it really, and it really, I mean, the thing that's so beautiful about the movie is, like, you know who those actors are. You know what's gonna happen because it's a 200 year old fucking story and you're so excited the whole time i mean it's they really they knock it out of the motherfucking park but we are headed to a party right yes renee zilliger oh comes home and we arrive at we we started watching this movie and within the first five minutes charlie and i were so pleased with ourselves because we were like we're so right about how bad this movie is because the movie is bookended with a unbelievable racism. Unbelievable racism and shocking bullshit that is completely absent from the rest, rest of, of the, the movie. Film. Like, there's no three-line And, like, maybe the point is that her mom is just fucking racist. But I don't think there's enough other evidence. Like, I mean, her mom being terrible is kind of a plot point, but sure. it's also, like, the ways that she gets redeemed have nothing to do with her being shockingly racist. Yeah. So it's just, like, why, why was that... The choice. The yeah. movie opens, fucking Renee Zellweger gets home, her mom is, like, at the door taking her coat off, and she's like, 
damn, we gotta go to a party and my friend's divorced son, Mark, is gonna be there and he's really cute, but his wife just left him. She's Japanese, a very cruel race. Oh, and, and we said, oh my <laughs> god, oh my god. We paused it and we, we were did. like, oh, oh, for real? We're getting that bad that fast? We also fast? like wordlessly paused it. Scribbled notes, looked at each other, went, <laughs> and, and then, then we played it, played it. And then the mother said, <laughs> the mother said, you have to change. You'll never get a boyfriend if you look, you look like, like you, you just wandered out of Auschwitz. Auschwitz. And she's wearing like a sweater and a scarf. Like, yeah, it's. it's Oh, it's crazy. It's not like she, she was wearing striped pajamas. She's just... It's not like she was an emaciated Jewish child. I know! Oh my god! She's a tall blonde lady. Wow, I love that her mom had that locked and loaded. Oh, like, yeah. that's an expression that she, that she uses. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so my So we were like, we're god. the most right than anybody's ever been. Yeah, and like, it's also like, it's shot in a way that is actively hard to watch. Like, yeah. it is like the color grading, and I know that it was 20 years ago, but it's also like the way that British shit is shot. Yeah, every- guys, everything <laughs> is brown and gray. We really got Like, colors are less bright. Stuff is less pretty. Why are- why? 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 Stop it. We have the technology. She's at this fucking party. She's at this party after her mother has laid her out an outfit. And she wears it for some fucking reason. She wears it. It's a horrible outfit. It's very late 90s-y. Um, it's, it's outdated for 2001. Right. Um, so it's like truly like 90s-y as fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody's smoking inside. Yes. Which is the With most abandoned. Un- yeah. Oh. The most unfathomable thing in the world. This movie, I mean, like, so charming. The story is great because it's a great story and the actors are super charming. There are some weird outlying, like, ah, what? Like, her uncle, and the character of her uncle, who is a totally left outable character, he just exists to be a family gatherings and be so fucking creepy to her. Yeah, he is, like she says at the beginning, not technically her uncle. Right, her aunt's new husband, who, like, constantly grabs Grabs her her ass. And, like, yeah, just, like, shit that's like, whoa! This was supposed to be, like, afterthought, minor joke. Mm -hmm. That character just existing and there not being plot around that behavior is kind of an expired device. Like, that's such a dated thing to do because you would not put that character in a piece of media if you didn't have something to say about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's fucking gross. It's disgusting. Anyways, we can keep going. Fucking, yeah, there's the thing that they're doing where anytime a movie is based on a book, um, with few exceptions, the adaptation isn't sure how much or little it wants to incorporate the fact that it used to be a book. Right. So there's, like, a lot of voiceovers from her that are probably, like, directly pulled from the book. Sure. Um, and then... They sporadically incorporate text on the screen, mm-hmm. like it's been scribbled in a diary. Oh, but sure. But they don't do it quite enough. Consistently. That it is seamless. It feels kind of like, we started doing this, and then we forgot we were doing it, and then right at the end we were like, oh, right! Yeah, this remember again. this? It's a, it's a diary! Yeah. Wow! Um, yeah. But as we're in the party, we meet, his name is literally Mr. Darcy. Mr. Darcy. <laughs> And he's very hot. He's wearing a silly jumper that his mom got him. And they meet and he's unimpressed because she's like so British uncomfortable. She is cringe comedy 
uncomfortable. And he's like, I don't want to do this, actually. Yeah, she's not being, like, rom-com, quirky girl charming. No, she's just she's uncomfortable. She's just uncomfortable. And then... And he's just mean. And he's just mean. And so they have a weird little interaction, and then she is at the food table, and she overhears him say, she drinks like a fish, smokes like a chimney, she's fucking icky, and then she looks at him and goes... Is it time to change my life? And then the diary shit starts. Diary shit starts, um, I have a note that says, in all caps, British HOT! Because, <laughs> oh my god, that okay. point that Charlie, I cannot remember exactly how it went down, but she described Colin Firth, she just kind of stopped the movie and she goes, he's British HOT. <laughs> Which is like, he looks like anybody. <laughs> he kind of, like, on a scale of hot dudes, he, I mean, he gets hotter over the movie. Truly. Sure. <laughs> he really gets hotter. But he just looks like any guy. And then in, like, the next two scenes, we meet Hugh Grant, who is the top of the scale no the matter what. any fucking scale. He's just so hot. Such a sexy man. And, like, I was late to the party on Hugh Grant because... I had never seen fucking Notting Hill. Oh my god. And I've seen him in stuff, but only, like, stuff that was coming out as I was a teenager. And so it's like, by that point, he's, like, he's not in his, like, I'm in my 20s prime. Oh my god. Like, I'm in my early 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is specific. Yeah. Ain't nobody doing it like that anymore. (laughs) No. Oh my fucking fucking God. god. Okay. So before we meet him... She's got this amazing scene, which is the scene that Olivia and I looked at each other and we were like, are we wrong about this movie? Mm -hmm. She lip syncs all by myself in the opening credits. The entire credits is the entire song and it's just a bunch of cuts of her being alone. It's not a, it's not cuts. There may be a few. There are some, there's definitely an extended shot of her doing that. Yes. Mostly it's like a long shot of her just like being sad in her pajamas on the couch drinking wine doing an unbelievable job of just i there was someone who i'm gonna misquote because i don't remember who it was it was either the casting director or the director of this movie commenting on the choice to cast renee zellweger the it was the producer Mm -hmm. um the producer who did not make notting hill and four weddings and a funeral sure who said that she straddled renee zellweger straddled comedy and emotion really well sure that was the quote and i think that that is completely fucking correct oh my god and yeah just this the scene way that... is like sad and fucking hilarious and, and if like... it were any more of either it would have been unwatchable yes you know, it was just like it was yeah perfect it was perfect and it was the only way to do it and like i couldn't do it no because you're watching her and you're like she's fucking going she's really doing it she's really doing wow. it and when you like yeah, it just, like, you can, like, focus in and out of what she's doing. And be like, yeah. this is really sad, and this is mesmerizing, yeah. and it's charming, and it's funny, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And it is all of those things in such a whirlwind that mm-hmm. she gets you. She really fucking gets you. And that was when we both, yeah, we turned to each other and we were like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and so wow. we, meet, we, meet, we meet Hugh Grant. Not before she tells us her weight. Yeah, not before she tells us her weight. She's like, damn, my whole thing is that I smoke and I drink too much and I'm too fat. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop drinking and smoking so much and I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Um, And she goes, currently I am, wait, everybody, hold on, it's like Dora the Explorer, right? Everybody guess 
what this woman thinks overweight is. She's got to lose 20 pounds. How much does she weigh right now that she thinks she needs to lose 20 pounds? Everybody's got five seconds to lock it in. Say it out loud wherever you are. Bus, plane, car, train. She weighs 136 pounds. She wants to lose 20 pounds and she weighs 136 pounds. Is it a fucking mystery why we grew up in the, like, militantly eating disorder-ass environment that we did? Like, oh my from all God. fucking angles. And the thing is, I wasn't even, like, trying to hit a number. I was so big. Like, I, I was, like, 150 pounds. Mm-hmm. Because I've been almost six feet tall since I was, like, 12. Yeah. So I was, like, just... 150 pounds is way too small for you. Right. It's unbelievably too small for what you should be weighing. Yeah. And that shit, like, it, like, shit like this, it's so passing. Like, authors do it, writers do it, celebrities do it. Everybody does it. Just, like, throwing fucking casually... numbers out. Yeah, I was just gonna say. ruin your fucking casually life. Casually saying numbers... Like it's okay. 136 pounds is so fat that it is indicative of a woman who whose life is spun utterly out of her fucking control. She's so unhinged. She's so far gone. She's so pathetic and slovenly. She's 136 pounds. And so, like, even, like, watching this movie and, like, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie she weighs how much? 140 pounds. She gains four fucking pounds and she's like thinks that she's like spiraling out of control because she's gained four pounds this just in numbers don't mean anything anything related to your health no numbers fucking bmi is full stop garbage it's just like anything else it's like trying to set a gold standard for something that is literally different for every person trying to be like it's the, sa- it's the same with uh, emotional shit, too. It's just like, well, your relationship is moving too fast if X, and, like, it's too soon for this, or, like, you've waited too long if Y. It's it's all fucking- it's us trying to assign meeting and, like, to, like, generalize about something that is person-to-person completely different. Yes. And so what you end up doing is is writing nonsense rules that don't apply to most people, but make most people feel like fucking, fucking garbage. Shit. That give people- complex is 136 pounds not since i was in elementary school elementary school and you were that old and it's saying to me right now that i need to lose 20 pounds which um damn i can't you can google us that's not going to happen (laughs) i'm not going to lose what's that 60 to 70 pounds because you die (laughs) Die. <laughs> you die. Oh my fucking god, dude. Yeah. No. No. That's Anyways. Sh- oh. Yeah, I mean, we could truly go we down could go this forever. Forever. Because, um, damn, like, body positivity is like- Body a- positivity is fake. You don't need to be beautiful to do anything. You don't need to look or not look a certain way. Like, there's so many weird rules surrounding this thing, but you should- Eat what you want to eat. Feel how you want to feel. Work out as much as you want to. It is, you do not owe anybody thinness. You don't need to stop your life in order to be thinner to do things. Yeah, just, I mean, body positivity culture steering us, like, overcorrecting and just fat phobia exists, but just, like, being like, wow, now we're overemphasizing these things that are going to make another population of people with certain kind of bodies feel like shit. Just, like... 
well, you're only hot if you've got curves and fuck people without curves. It's like, okay, well, how about that? Fuck anybody. How about just everybody's got a body? I want you to feel, like, uplifted and empowered in your skin because it's yours and you live in it. And or neutral. Like, it doesn't matter. You can feel confident when you want to feel confident. Yeah. And you can do that whenever you want. But also, it just shouldn't matter. It does matter. It shouldn't matter. It's so complex. good about yourself. Yes. But just, like... The while, anytime we try to apply, I mean, just like beauty standards in general, yeah, end up making most people feel, feel like bad. shit, yeah. And it's yeah. like, I just, I don't want to sound like a fucking tender queer and pretend that we can't fucking see each other, you yeah. Know? Like obviously, yeah. I mean, just it, this is not us being like you shouldn't care how you look no. because that's like being like, well, you know, you shouldn't have to like earn money. Yeah, sure, but you do. You know, like you <laughs> yeah. like we live yeah. we live in a society. <laughs> this is just us acknowledging that like those rules are arbitrary and very silly and that like that's kind of it. They're yeah. arbitrary and silly and they were And numbers don't mean m- numbers don't mean shit. Anything. No. Liter- like literally nothing. Yeah. And like it's still bad because it's it's can it will continue to be bad, but early two thousands. Holy shit. Body shit and eating disorder shit was Bananas. Bananas. Fucking low-calorie, fat-free bananas. Yeah. Oh my god. We yeah, gotta get free, back to No sugar. Bananas. It was the idea of half a banana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my um, god. So, we meet Hugh Grant. Yeah, sure. Her diary, she's like, I gotta lose weight, I gotta stop smoking cigarettes, I gotta stop thinking about fucking Hugh Grant. My fucking boss, Hugh my Grant. My boss, Hugh Grant. Who is, like, peak, long-haired, he's a tiny bit wrinkly, he's got, like, two or three crow's feet on either eye he is otherworldly hot my oh. note says hugh oh my hugh <laughs> oh my hugh oh also everybody a ding 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 take a shot she's a writer she she's works writer. in a publishing office she's like kind of a kind of an assistant, kind of a writer, kind of a journalist. But at the end of the movie, she's, like, gonna become, a, like, a, a generic TV. correspondent, like, a yeah. TV personality yeah. who does the news. And also, I have to amend what I said about Hugh Grant's age. He's 41 in this movie. Is he? He's, or 40, yeah. Right. So, like, he looks fucking good. Uh, so good. Yeah. Hugh Um, and we said this in Notting Hill. Um, if anybody can find a mid-90s photo of Hugh Grant's ass. Bare ass. We his want his bare, bare ass. ass. Whoa. We'll put it up in the studio. Yeah. Which is just Olivia's we'll... living room. <laughs> we, we want it. I need that so much. We have new followers now. So maybe some of you guys. Maybe you guys had an in with to that. Hugh. Oh my. F- Anyways. Fucking God. We... Keeping it high <laughs> and tight. <laughs> All right, we keep going. Moaning Myrtle is her best friend. Yeah, is from there Harry Potter. Nine actors in Great Britain, and so they're yeah. all in everything. And so the actress who plays Moaning Myrtle is one of her best friends. One of her, one of her three best friends. Which again, like ding ding ding, British rom com by all the same people as yeah. those other British rom coms <laughs> that were better than most rom coms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave them fucking friends. friends and like a group of friends. It's not just like I know you guys have been brainwashed and think that. Olivia and I only talk to each other, which is true of a majority of the time. <laughs> but we have a group of people. Like, right. we talk to more than one other person. But in the our idea, lives. yeah, Ron comes being like, This is Jenny, and Jenny holds all of my secrets in her hand <laughs> like a baby bird, and if Jenny ever dies, I'll kill myself. <laughs> it's like, Ah! Jenny can't stop 
existing because therefore I don't right. exist. Because then no one would know <laughs> anything, anything about, about me. me. Just um, damn, or best... have a key to my apartment. Nobody right. could get in. It's like best friends exist, but rom coms being like we don't have time to give one friend dimension. Right. She's gonna be the idea of a person, and if we give you more than one person, we'll implode. Yeah. They're like dialogue doesn't work. No. You can't explain anybody with dialogue. Absolutely not. Fuck that. Ch- 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 and that's, I mean, British rom-coms doing such a good job at, like, extraneous scenes that, like, flesh out ensemble characters yes. to make you care about them yes. and to inform how you should feel about the lead. Yeah. it inf- When you know what someone's loved ones are like and how they relate to each other, that informs how you feel and how strongly you yes. feel about someone. Yes, and that's why if you hate somebody's friends... You shouldn't hang out with them. Yep. Fucking jump that motherfucking ship. Get out of there. Get out of Put that situation. That shit, Because no. the whole time your brain is like, yeah, their friends stink, but they're cool. This just in. They're not cool. They're not cool. You've been bamboozled. You've <laughs> <laughs> been bamboozled you... and going to the worst party you've ever been to and you can't get out oh, of it. Oh, you've been hornswoggled, <laughs> my dear. I... <laughs> Hang out with people you like. Anyway, anyway, uh, British rom-coms write friends. Um, my next note is made by Pussy Throb. Um, so <laughs> that's, I think that's about Hugh Grant has started to openly flirt with Renee Zellweger because work. we've seen this montage of like she wrote like I gotta stop having daytime sex dreams about my boss Hugh Grant, and then there's like a <laughs> montage of her being so in love with him at work and just, like, doing bad karaoke and, like, desperately looking at him. And then at one point she, like, wears a miniskirt to work. Mm-hmm. And she walks by his office, which is floor-to-ceiling windows. As you do. That's true. Y'all Damn. ever been in a high-powered business job? And worn a miniskirt Because, like me, I also have a see-through office, which defeats the point of, of an, an office. office. Of walls. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a, like unbelievable power move. Yeah, to like, just be I'm just like you accept we don't breathe the same air. <laughs> well, um, just to be openly yelling at Jenkins. Jenkins is crying in your office <laughs> and you're letting everybody watch. Yeah, it's really, I mean, I have a lot of experience in a lot of different fields. A lot of different, like, entry-level versions of different fields. Never an office. I've no. never, I have Zero. Wow. And we were called out by by your friend. My friend Hadley Seidman, who was like, damn, y'all don't work office jobs. Well, it was just Hadley being like, listen to this podcast. They hate office Office jobs, but they helped me get through mine. And I was like, that's really sweet, but like, we'll never work there. Oh my god. Wow. I mean, I just think I would be bad at it. I mean, I would would, would be bad at it. I would be bad Um, at it too. And I literally can't picture it. Mm -mm. I cannot fathom. Like, someone tweeted the other day, like, Someone has to tell me I'm a grown up, but I don't know, and I'm a little scared to ask. What are you doing at office for eight hours? I, it's not all emails. Like, what are you literally, literally doing? What are you doing? Also, Hadley Seidman, uh, my childhood best friend, is so fucking smart. Mm. Every time she tries to tell me about her job, I'm like, that seems true. I can't tell you one. She she designs cities. That's all the information I have about that. And that's so cool. <laughs> and I'm and so what? glad we've got our best people on that. Let's do fucking Oh my god! You don't want me! There's so much I don't know that I don't know. Ho 
holy shit. However, uh, Hugh Grant works in an office, and Renee Zellweger also works in an office. Shout out, Hadley. Yeah, yeah, damn. You're so cool. Anyways. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. She's, she works at an office. And, and she wears this miniskirt. She does. And, and she, he says uh, something, like, he, like, IMs her about how short her skirt is. Yeah. And it's... The, it's thi- the thing is, I like the fact that like only Hugh Grant in a only film. Only Hugh Grant in a movie can do this because and that like not to overuse the word problematic, it gets into this area of like rom coms when you are coming up imprint on you about how the world should be and how mm-hmm. you should exist in the world, how you should attempt to navigate the world, what you should be looking out for and what that behavior means. So like rom-coms molding the way that you think about like oh this is the kind of girl I should be this is what I should do to be sexy and like these are these are behaviors that are sexy mm-hmm. and that mean that this person is so hot and like yeah. Hugh Grant spoiler alert they don't end up together but they fuck a lot yeah and he is supposed to be like this such hot, a powerful fucking dude. fox and yeah. the thing is he is and I like we're gonna talk about that but I also want to like Big old asterisks say that this is one of those like if and if it happens outside of a rom com, it's the scariest thing. It's just so inappropriate. It makes your skin crawl. It's just like emboldening men to pull this shit because hey, look here's an example of it being so sexy. Yeah, and also reinforcing in female viewers that this is sexy behavior. Mm-hmm. It doesn't not have ripple effects, right? Like, it doesn't not cause damage. Absolutely the way that relationship dynamics like this were portrayed as super sexy in media influenced how susceptible I was to being preyed upon when I was growing up. For sure. Um, And, like, that sucks. And that's an asterisk that I just want to apply to all of this because most of what I want to talk about is how sexy Hugh Grant is <laughs> and how hot it is in spite of all the things that I just said being true. Yeah. He is the only person who can do this. All these fucking asterisks. Yeah. Only in this movie a boopity boop, but like, boy, does he do it. Uh, it's, it's really crazy. There's like one moment that we'll talk about that like really snaps us out of like it how does. fucking hot he is. But like, I can't, I cannot picture this role with anybody else in it. Like the thing is George Clooney couldn't do this. Like no, nobody else could fill this fucking role. No. And be like dirty and gross and boss like and hot. Right, and, like I and literally can't picture another human being yeah. saying those words and yes. doing those things and not being gross. Like and the predominant reaction being gross. fucking. And you. maybe it's because Hugh Grant, and I'm so sorry, England, is the hottest thing England will ever produce. <laughs> he tops the scale. Like, you can't get there! Right. He's just too hot! He's so fucking hot. It's huge. He's too hot! He's too hot! <laughs> Colin Firth is up there with, like, hottest British people on, like, a British scale of hot. Yeah, I'm British scale of hot, but, like... Hugh, Hugh, oh, an ode to Hugh. Like, I, it's really crazy. But we keep going, and Renee Zellweger is still flirting with... Hugh Grant, and they're kind of, like, building something up, and then there's this huge launch of a book. And I think, right, they, like, are kind of, like, they have a relationship that is sexually charged, like, an inner office thing that, like, like, secret affairs are hot, dude. Yeah. Like, there's there's a reason reason that that happens. Oh my god. And so it's just them IMing back and forth and him being like, damn, you're fucking hot. And her being, like, fake offended and being like, this is sexual harassment, which, like, that is a joke in an email. Wild. 
But just, like, the tone of it being so light and sexy that you just, like, yeah. get taken along completely. They get into an elevator together and, like, there are other people in the elevator and he, like, grabs her ass a little bit and then gets out of the elevator before her. It's just, like, <gasps> And also, like, in that email where she's, like, this is, like, sexual harassment. He gives, like, a very form, like, I'm very, like, I apologize for my, my behavior. behavior. how they negatively affected you. Yes. And I'll try to, like, grow and educate myself and, like, listen more. Yeah. And then, P.S., your tits look great in that top. Which is so funny! <laughs> it's so fucking funny! So, they're getting uh, ready for this big event. Uh, Renee Zell- Zellweger puts on these underwear that are supposed to be Spanx that just aren't. They're my, just, like, granny panties. My notes say, why are they loose? Yeah, like... It's supposed to be Spanx. You can't genuinely film anybody putting Spanx on because the footage deletes itself. It's so fucking awful. Like, y'all ever try to jump <laughs> jump into Spanx? I'm sorry, it cracked myself up because I thought of the phrase, jump up your own ass. <laughs> Which is more or less the biz- like the, the official pitch for Spanx. Yeah. It is it is it is jumping up your own ass to suck that shit all in. Yes. You want to feel like a sausage all night. It's so <laughs> shocking sweating this bitch. Any kind of media depiction of women pu- putting on Spanx is just like women putting on big underwear. That's not true. That's you s- like like your vision starts to go black. <laughs> yeah. Like you're passing out right now. <laughs> like I in high school I was on the dive team, and they ordered us, like, professionally, you're supposed to have a suit that's a size or two, too small, but these suits had, I'm so serious, zero stretch. So it was, like, putting on denim, like a denim suit that was too small, and I'm like, it looks like I'm wearing a toddler swimsuit. Right, just like, so high cut. Like, lower back <laughs> armpit fat spilling over. And my my butt just like, oh, oh my god. I've got god. three butts somehow. <laughs> yeah. There's the obvious two and then a surprise one. Like, <laughs> and you never know where it's gonna pop up. <laughs> like, wow. Well, like that kind of shit is how you shit. feel putting on Spanx. And, and this in this, is just like it was old just underwear. Old my underwear. note says, son of a bitch, is this good? <laughs> She's, like, getting ready for this big book event where she's gonna be sexy in front of her boss, and mm-hmm. she, like, does a self-wax in the bathroom, which, Which like, never. Well, waxing your own vagina <laughs> in the bathroom in a standing position. <laughs> like, name Alex, I'll take shit that would land me in the hospital <laughs> for 500. Oh, my I, God. I knew girls in high school who did that, and it looked like they gave themselves hickeys Oh. <laughs> Line. They were like, that shit was brazy, and I did it for homecoming. <laughs> like, right, exactly. So fucking stupid. Like, in case, like, Chad happens to notice that while he's fingering you under your skirt. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Are you getting full naked after homecoming? <laughs> yeah, homecoming is an over-the-pants holiday. <laughs> yeah. You get to take money off! <laughs> because you were fingered in the Right, nobody saw anything. Nobody can lay claim to a visual description of any body parts. But you, you, you were up in there, and you couldn't pick it out of a lineup. Still. Oh shit! Oh yes. Anyways, they're still at the party. Renee Zellweger 
bombs her introduction of this author. Oh, she does so hard. Such She's such a bad job. Horrible. And Colin speaking. Firth is at this event for some reason. And yes. this is the event where we establish that Colin Firth and Hugh Grant somehow know each other. Mm-hmm. The dynamic is like there's like weird cold friction between right, them. and we don't know why they just like hate each other. Renee Zellweger uh-huh. is like, damn, I hate Colin Firth, and I like. I mean, a will they, won't they, but, like, they probably will and let's get it thing with Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. And, and so... So, she bombs at public She speaking. bombs at the public speaking, stays there. I never understand in films how somebody embarrasses themselves so fucking much and then just hangs out at this event. You know? Like, just like, maybe nobody will remember that I threw up on my own <laughs> shoes and then licked it off. <laughs> right, she's, like, maximum uncomfortable for this introductory speech. And then the, my next two notes say, what were the circumstances under which she put her hair up? Because <laughs> she looks fucking busted. Uh, her hair looks so fuck. It look, like looks like a three-year-old was asked to put her hair in a bun and was like, wow! I'll do it so good, we Mom. did it. And my next note is just hydroplaning her way through life. Oh my god, yeah. I have a note that said this movie is for adult women who can't dress themselves. <laughs> Which, like, this movie's for me, so maybe that's true of me. But, like, but holy shit. Oh my god. Shit. But she bombs really hard, and then it looks like Colin Firth is, like, about to go up to her and be like, it wasn't that bad. And then Hugh Grant kind of, like, cuts in and is like, I've been saying I'd take you out, and you've kept saying no. Tonight's the night, baby. And they go out to dinner. And at dinner, Hugh Grant mm-hmm. says... The only line in this movie that really jolts you out of the mesmerization, like the hypnosis level of Of, cognitive dissonance you have to experience to think he's so sexy when he is playing this character, Mm -hmm. right? It's the only moment where you're like, oh, oh, what? And it's when he is talking to Renee Zellweger in this restaurant and she says something and I have no memory of what it is. Me neither. But in response he goes, I bet you did, you dirty bitch. And both of us paused and were like, ah! Because, like, she smiles and she's like, ooh, that's kind of sexy. If, I think we've said it before, and we'll double down on this Mm. for fucking ever. Bitch is, like, the litmus test of if a dude is okay or not. Like, you, you cannot casually call a woman a bitch. No. Literally, no matter what. It's literally worse than cunt. If you are talking about Ann Coulter and you call her a bitch... Even though it's Anne fucking Coulter, I will not speak to you anymore unless you have a dissertation handy on why you chose the word bitch. I don't fucking trust you. Yeah. No matter how repugnant the woman in question, bitch, I will allow Bitch cunt. is- yeah, exactly. Cunt, exactly. Cunt because cunt is like your evil. She's an evil cunt. I get the picture yes. that you're painting. Bitch is such a blanket term to call any woman fucking crazy. Right. She's a bitch. She, like, you can't say that. No, that's not for you. Cunt is more for you than bitch. And yes. Like, and, I mean, sorry about it, because poisonous bitch is one of the most eviscerating and effective things to call a person, but some stuff's not for you. Don't call women bitches. I'll fucking eat you. I have a thing that says, dirty bitch. I think the fuck not. And then my oh. next note is... He's so sexy. Okay, <laughs> literally, my note says, dirty bitch, sorry, no more teeth, sad face. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, are we bare-knuckle brawling yeah. about this? I'll, like, I can't. I'll, I'll uh-uh. fucking kill you. And then my next notes are also like, oh, this is so sexy. They, they go back to his place? 
They go back to his place and it's beige on beige on beige. Yeah, baby. it just stopped being the nineties. The interior it's still decorating so fucking beige. They knew one thing and it was this is the least offensive. It looks color. like fucking Fraser in here. I so motherfucking sex scene. It is such a such a sexy sex scene. They're yeah. like making out on the floor of her of his living room, which Charlie was like. Why wouldn't you go to the bedroom? Yeah, it's like hot that they're like on the couch and then they roll off the couch like all over each and like, other. Oh my god, it's so hot! But the thing is, this is a first fuck. We are keeping it cut and dry, baby. We are right. This making is out my audition to fuck you later. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I would yeah. like to have all of so the tools I need, at my yeah, disposal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have a piano? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> my introductory sexual audition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is. Involves a piano. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> fucking, yeah. Well, they're making out. It's super sexy. She's in her scary non-spank spanks, and he sees it, and he's, like, cute about it. He's, like, fucking sexy about it. The way oh that he's God. kissing her and, like, about to go down on her. I was watching it, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then also, so hot because he's making fun of her. Like, she's still wearing right. these spanks, and it's, like, a huge thing. And he's like, no, these are... These are really doing it for me, I promise. And he goes, like, I'm actually wearing something quite similar to myself. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's, it's fun. so fun. You can, like, riff with someone. Hot! Coitus. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Damn. Or at least mid-foreplay, yeah. quote-unquote. But, mm-hmm. like, that cuts to, that transitions into just, like, a montage of them developing a sexual relationship mm-hmm. and just, like, being sexy and... It's, like, great exposition for their relationship and there is a... There is a scene where... Oh God, it's just the, like... Like, it's time to depict sex in these really, like, sexually charged ways. It's time to make this super sexy and it's not porn, so she's still, like, in a bra. It's just... It's she's just... A bra, bra is the first thing that comes off. It is, yeah. If I... If it was... The one day out of the month that I had decided to wear a bra. Right. I'm keeping that on. Yeah. It's the least comfortable thing that I wear. Yeah. And my boobs are the most fun. They're the most yeah. superfluous <laughs> yeah. and fun thing. Like. You're telling me. That's only. That that titty didn't go in your mouth. Yeah. You're telling You're me. You're gonna fucking lie to me. <laughs> I thought we were better than that. Um, Holy shit. We are behind on reading the plot. I'm just gonna catch yeah, us yeah, up yeah. really fast. Bridget and Daniel begin to flirt heavily at work ahead of an important book launch at which Bridget bumps into Mark and his glamorous but haughty colleague Natasha. Bridget leaves with Daniel and they have dinner despite Daniel's notorious reputation as a womanizer. Daniel tells Bridget that he and Mark were formerly friends but says Mark slept with his fiance, for which they now hate each other. Bridget and Daniel start dating. Bridget is invited to a family party, originally a quote-unquote Tarts and Vickers costume party, which is tied into a mini-break weekend with Daniel. They spend the day before the party at a country inn, where Mark and Natasha are also staying. The morning of the party, Daniel says he must return to London for work, and leaves Bridget, dressed as a Playboy bunny, to endure the party alone. When she returns to London and drops in on Daniel, she discovers his American colleague, Laura, or Lara, in flagrante, naked in his flat. Bridget cuts ties with him and immediately searches for a new career. She lands a job in television, and when Daniel pleads with her to stay, she declares that she would, quote, rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's arse. Mm. And so that brings us more or less to a good spot. God, the plot is fucking long. Well, I think within that, so they they start, quote-unquote, dating. Right. 
Um, but also without all of the things that I think necessitate, like, genuine dating. Like, talking about it? Like, talking about it. There's yeah. no talking about it. There's no, like, hey, just checking in, like, are you seeing other people? What do you want this to be? Like... Right, like, what are you, what's your ceiling? What's your threshold for, like, what you're open to right now? Like, are you just trying to fuck anyone? Do you like me a lot, but all you want is to have sex? Uh-huh. Are you in a complicated thing? Or are you just getting out of a complicated thing? Literally, like any what is your emotional is threshold? Yeah, right if now. you are at a place where you can't be in a committed relationship, or you just don't want to, yeah, that's fucking that's pertinent information. Super for important me. for me because I'm picturing us getting married. Legitimately, in the movie, she like pictures them at their wedding. Right. She pictures them at their wedding. She tells her dad that she has a boyfriend. Right. She is, they're going to the country and there's a voiceover of her being like, we're basically dating. He wants to take me on a vacation. It's like, yeah, he wants to take you out of town to fuck he you. He does, yeah, yeah, he yeah. He wants to take you away from anybody who might recognize Exactly, him. like, he's not bringing you to meet his friends. He's not sewing you into the fabric of his life. Right. He's actively removing himself from his life right. to spend to time with Right, to hang out with you. Yeah, it's not, it's, he wants to fuck, but maybe that's it, and maybe we should talk about it. Yeah. Anyway, but, like, yeah, on the, when they're having the conversation where he's like, dirty bitch, I'm a misogynist, uh, he <laughs> says that he Colin Firth fucked his fiance. And yeah, that's why they're not friends. And anymore. she's like, okay, so I'm doubling down on so hating fuck this Colin fucking guy. Firth, right? Yeah. And so, oh right, interwoven with this plot is the subplot of her mom. Her mom leaves her dad, and she does this for this guy on like the home home goods channel, like local access. It's time to sell you a bracelet on TV. On TV, type it's shit. the early two thousands kind of thing because the mom is having like a. A, a late life crisis. Right. It's not a midlife crisis, but she's like, she's oh my gonna god, be a hundred twenty years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna never know. Damn, the English are crazy. Anyways, um, the mom is like, damn, I've cooked and cleaned for your dad, and he doesn't fuck me, mm -hmm. and I have to go. And she's like selling some kind of kitchenware in the mall and Bridget's like, what you doing in the mall, mom? And her mom's like, I could do anything and your dad wouldn't notice or care. Yeah. Holy it's shit. It's time for me to leave him. Yeah. Leave him based on, like, boredom. And the thing is, like, she gets depicted as, like, kooky and zany and something snapped and that's why she made this crazy decision and, like, but you also, shouldn't like, cheat on people, but also You shouldn't cheat on people. I don't think of... she did, but, like, Waking up 20 years later being like, oh my god. Oh my god, you don't, like, look at me anymore. Yeah. I'm such a vase on the wall right. kind of fucking thing And then you get life. married and are like, my thing now is that I make money and you are my mommy. Yeah. You're yeah. my mommy that I fuck. And except, except I when don't. I don't. So later I will stop fucking you and you're just my mom. So just it's, like, a little reasonable that she was like, I have to do anything else. Right. I've woken up and realized that... Maybe I don't have to die doing this thing that I hate because I said I would yeah. 20 years ago, yeah, right? Yeah. And so she has this affair, like, leaves the dad, and, like, Bridget is comforting the dad, and she says, she, like, recommends that he try to make the mom jealous by flirting with other people because, quote, that's how I got my man, and, like... That's such a sad lady, Bridget yeah. Jones is it's, so That's sad. one of the reasons why we both didn't like this movie when we first started it, is because, like, in the original Pride and Prejudice, mm -hmm. this character is Lizzie Bennet, and she is, like, a go-getter-ass bitch. Like, she's the coolest Austin lady basically ever written of just, like, 
I'm my own person and I like what I like and I am who I am and these are my interests and everybody and I'm confident in who I am and they were like what if she wasn't like that and then she this... was so pathetic it was almost impossible to watch yeah like she is so fucking sad and so delusional about her own life right that you don't know what's going on it's hard to watch and so my next note says quote He's so hot. What are we gonna do? Dash Charlie. <laughs> At a certain point during the like weekend away montage, Charlie turns to me and goes, He's so hot. What are we gonna do? <laughs> it's so hot. It's it's groundbreaking, to be honest. Oh He's my so God. hot. And then there's a scene after they have sex, it's like a postcoital rom-com back and forth where Fucking, I, my brain is like, Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore, no. And so close. Renee Zellweger, yeah, it is a sword, for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> um, it's like, like, Spectrum, ready, Kate Hudson, Drew Barrymore, Renee Zellweger. I think Drew is on the end. I think Drew is closer to, I think she is the midpoint between Kate Hudson and Renee Zellweger. I think Renee is a little more reserved. I think, I think Drew is kookier. And plays kookier better. But I think Drew, like, like, Kate Hudson is, like, goofy. She can yes. be goofy. Yes. I think that the goofy bleeds into kooky bleeds into awkward. Oh, and I think sure. That sure. in terms of, like, mainstream hotness, it also, like, goes in that line. I, I still disagree. Interesting. Well, Tropes and Dreams. At Tropes and Dreams. Yeah. Let us know. If you think it should be Kate Hudson, Drew Barrymore, Renee Zellweger, or Kate Hudson, Renee Zellweger... Drew Barrymore. Comment the order you think is right under the photos of us taking shots before we do this episode. We will post them on Instagram. Please. After you listen we'll to this also episode, probably ask you again, but like... Scurry over there. Yeah, please. I'm right. But we can like go through the motions of this if it makes you feel good. There's like a throwaway line where they have sex and then Drew Barrymore... Nope. <laughs> Renee Selberger is like... What we just did was illegal in several countries, which implies butt stuff. Illegal butt stuff. <laughs> butt stuff. Which is crazy because we were drunk when we watched this and you said that and I was like, that's so smart of you. Because <laughs> I'd be like, it's just a silly little joke where she's like, that was so good. <laughs> it's, it's illegal. It's illegal though with them being like, do you know what's so perverse? It's anal sex, but... We have such but good sex. everybody tra- does it. Yeah, but, like, we're paying lip service to the fact that we don't do it, except in this movie the sex is so good we get to transcend the paying lip service and pretending, sure. and we just, like, aren't pretending, mm-hmm. and we just had anal sex. Yeah. Anyway. They fucked. They fucked, and then she asks, so casually, so fucking casually, she, like, looks over <gasps> her shoulder. Oh, my God. And goes, do you love me? There's not a, I love you. There's no, like, I think I'm falling in love with you. It's just a balls in your court, baby. It's the most desperate version of that. Yes! Like, like, and not in a, like, you should really play your cards closer to your chest, sis, kind of way, but in a, like, damn, if you wanted to have that conversation, you didn't want to, like, like, put yourself in a less vulnerable position than do you love me. Yeah, it's just, like... You've just opened your fucking chest. There's no, there's no, and you can't snap it back to, like, it's, oh, it's so sad. It's so fucking sad. And he, he's like, don't make me fuck you again to get out of the question. And then he's like, I'm gonna fuck you again. And then 
they have sex and wake up the next morning and he's like, turns I out, have to go. I can't go to the costume party I said I would go to and actually I'm a piece of shit. Gotta go to this meeting with the, like a rep from the New York office of our company. And so then she goes to this party by herself. It's a Tarts and Vickers themed party. So oh she's dressed God. like the Playboy Bunny, which this came out in the same year as Legally Blonde. Which also did the I'm a Playboy Bunny. Okay, which at came this out party first? Thing. Wow, good Wait. question. So we just looked it up. Legally Blonde came out like a month earlier, and they both did like dressed up as a Playboy Bunny. Blonde type protagonist shit. like through a series of mishaps, miscommunications, and her being not included and stuff, accidentally is the only one dressed as a Playboy Bunny at this party where no one else is in costume. Just yes. like, and the thing is. Both of them pull it off. They pull it off as fuck. Um, <laughs> and so she shows up in a bunny suit, and my note is huge on the page, and it says, no one is getting me a dress? Like, nobody, nobody thought, damn, this girl showed up in her panties. Yeah. Because she was told to show, show up, up in, in her, her panties. panties. And she and had to show up alone. Nobody's getting her a dress. My, my notes is a Charlie quote that says, I'm naked at your party. <laughs> You. And so she, like, has, she runs into both her parents, her mom is with her new boyfriend, her infomercial boyfriend, who is, like, way too self-tanned, and then, like, her dad is And sad. also gay-coded. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure not meant to be... It's sort so... of just for sure meant to emphasize that, like, her mom is in crisis. Sure. Um, but, like, she finds her dad, her dad also didn't get the uh, memo, so he's dressed like a priest, uh-huh. and they're, like, having a conversation, and he is sad because he was trying to flirt with people, like she said, and, like, the mom doesn't even seem to care, mm-hmm. and everything is really sad, and she's bummed because she kind of got blown off, too, and she's like, you know what, I'm gonna go to my boyfriend Hugh Grant's house, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna feel better, and so she goes to a boyfriend's house, and she, like, takes off her coat, and she's, like, looking to be comforted, and he's, like, weird and cagey, and he's trying to get her out of the house, and she's like, you know what, fuck this, and, like, looks around for someone, and then feels silly for being jealous, and apologizes for being jealous, and then gets all the way to the front door, and then is like, you know what, no. She gets to the front door and sees a pink sweater. Right. And is like, oh, 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 for real, right now? That's not my fucking sweater. So she runs back upstairs into, like, the ensuite bathroom and the master bedroom of his apartment. She checked the bedroom. She didn't check the adjoining bathroom. She opens it and there is a the thinnest a, woman alive. A naked supermodel. This woman is nine feet tall and just made of matchsticks. And like reading <laughs> the New York Times and she's no, so naked. No, it's, it's, oh, it's, that's right. Yep. It's the thing that made me go, I'll kill everybody I've ever known. <laughs> it's, she's holding a folder that says Pemberley Press and Pemberley is the estate that Miss... It's Mr. Darcy's estate in Pride and Prejudice. And I was like, I'll kill everyone. I do want to know, is that woman a supermodel? Yeah, I looked it up. She's a model. Her name is Lisa B. Lisa B. Can I see Lisa B? I think think Lisa B. maybe was on America's Next Top Model at some point as, like, a judge because she's a supermodel. But Olivia is watching America's Next Top Model right now. I'm... Um, Googling it. There aren't any matches to the search. God damn it, then I'm a fucking liar. But anyways, but anyways, like, you see this woman, like, sitting on the edge of the tub, and you're like, were you drawn by somebody? She's so fucking long and so thin and a cunt. She's just, like, straight out the gate. I'm so awful. 
Because you have to hate her. Well, right. She is the depiction of the other woman, the quote-unquote homewrecker, that is a, like, a product of a stupidly puritanical monogamous culture, right? That's not me being like, everybody has to be polyamorous, or you're a fucking asshole. No, but it's right? like, but it's just the, the thing like, that sets you up for feeling like that right. is like the other person has to be evil to fuck up your right. relationship. She's conniving and she's relishing in your humiliation and she's in on it and she thinks you're stupid and fat because the first line this woman has, she looks her up and down, she turns to Hugh Grant and she goes, I thought you said she was thin. Which so, is also crazy because Renee Zellweger looks great in this costume. Right. She looks fucking sexy in this costume. She's in her Playboy bunny outfit and this fucking model character is like, my thing is that you're fat and I I think you're so, I disdain you so palpably. Yeah. And no third party, no other woman party has ever, ever felt, felt like, like that. that. You always feel ashamed mm-hmm. and horrible about yourself Even if you're not the one who committed to that relationship. Exactly. Like, I fucking, unpopular opinion, but it's one of my strongest opinions, is that the other woman party... Quote-unquote. The other quote-unquote woman, right, doesn't, literally doesn't owe anybody anything. She's not, like, obviously if you, like, get cut off in traffic and you're like, I'm gonna fuck that lady's husband. Like, (laughs) if you set out to fuck with somebody, that's its own genre of thing, but, like... If you are the party that someone else is cheating with, you're not cheating. You didn't commit to a relationship that you are violating. You're not betraying someone you made promises to. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that you go about engaging in that affair, right, obviously determines, like, how icky it looks for you. Yeah. But just the way that people are like, well, the other woman is this, like, fucking conniving shrew sitting on the bathtub naked calling you a fat whore, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. not yeah. fucking real, That's not dude. real. Shut that's up. That's not real. But really, it is such a device to be like, oh, well, like, fuck this lady to hell. This yeah. is just, like, everybody's out to get And everybody, jokes. everybody in the vicinity of Hugh Grant is so poisonous. Yeah. Is so Absolutely. evil. Yeah, I have a note that said there's always a thinner woman that somebody has to be with. You know, like, that's, like, the other woman is, like, everything, you're not, like, she's tan and tall and and thin and and whatever the fuck. Um, but, like... And, yeah, I have a note that says, Beverly Press! Um, because I freaked out. No, my next note says engaged. Because the next day at the office. The next day at the office, which, which Renee Zellweger goes into the office. Yeah. Which is one of the most unhinged things I have ever seen in the rom-coms that we have watched. I would be like, if they called me to be like, why aren't you at work? I'd be like, are you out of your mind? I'm never coming back. Yeah. Ever. Are you kidding? G- goodbye. I'm not gonna like log into AOL. <laughs> yeah. After that shit went down at the, my expense. No. The next no. day. Mail me my somebody, last check. Yes. Are you fucking kidding somebody me? Somebody called me a fat whore yesterday. I. For something that wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah. Just because I was dating this guy! Oh my like, god. Oh my god. Yeah, absolutely not. But so she, she shows goes up there. And she, like, goes in, like, Hugh Grant calls her into the office and is like, why are you being rude to me? Also, I'd like to tell you that I'm now engaged to this woman. Because the whole thing was Renee being like, Renee teeing up for a conversation about, like, damn, you cheated on me. Can I forgive you? I feel so hurt. Maybe we can work through this. Him teeing up for a way to be like... 
I was fucking you till something better came along, and turns out... It did. It did, and now we're engaged, which the implications of that are wild, right? Because obviously... It's a three-week engagement, everybody. Right, This woman, they knew each other beforehand. He knew her before Renee Zellweger, because they... Like, there's a throwaway line about that. Were they in, like, a super evolved, (laughs) non-monogamous thing, where she was, like, super good about... Him fucking other people as long as she got to be mean to them in the bathroom sometimes. <laughs> like, and then the turnaround from like, damn, you were fucking that other lady. Anyway, do you want to lock this down yeah. right now? Yeah, you really want to commit to this? Yeah, so he's like, we're engaged. And she goes, damn, I'm gonna quit really publicly. And this is like her co-worker who's just been this like slightly repressed British woman in the office that she's had a couple exchanges with is like so great because... Renee Zellweger is like quitting and then takes it outside like, of the office. So it's it, like if you're so gonna yell public. at me, you're doing it in front of thirty people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who work under you? And so the female coworker like apparates next to her and is like, "Go on, because here's the thing: if you give him a fucking inch, I'll fire you anyway." Yeah. And so it's just like, if you're gonna quit, fucking do it. Like, yeah, get him. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just so so satisfying, and she and her fucking dime store ass British accent says like I'd rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's ass and everyone's like Whoa! yeah 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 god so she just gives a life changing exit speech yes um, the one that you wish you could do right the one that just it never works out because as Charlie has said so many times like if you have something so mean and cutting and poetic <laughs> in the barrel you will 99% of the time fucking regret, that's gonna ruin stuff for you. Yeah, if you yeah. say that thing in real life, in real time, that's going to burn bridges in a way that's mostly gonna fuck stuff up for you. Just incinerate them, right. and then also burn down your house. Right, just like remove, <laughs> yeah. you just can't do you it. You can't, but you always wish you had. Uh-huh. You know, after you get some space from an interaction, it's like, wow, well either I wish I was less mean so that they wouldn't have reacted like such a dick, but they react, they were such a dick, I should have been I meaner. Should've. Yeah, I yeah. should have done it. And you so rarely get to do it. In so many movies, you just get to work out, live vicariously through the two-dimensional mm-hmm. lady who says, I'd rather wipe Saddam Hussein's ass. You know? Okay. Alright, Shakespeare in love. Right. Holy shit, she's um, with her best friends, right? Yeah, and there are, there are like three or four scenes with the best friends where they're just like at a bar chain smoking inside right it's two women and a gay man just being like a very realistic friend group dynamic yeah kind of self-absorbed kind of assholes they love each other and they are living their own lives together yes. so it's not like we're the chorus that helps support you bridget <laughs> yeah what's going on with you it's like everybody, they're all doing shit everybody has different jobs it's wonderful i'm sorry my next note oh um, she says something about, like, quote-unquote, revenge body. You know, she's like, I'm gonna lose weight and I'll be so angry and so sad. And that's so boring and I hate it. Revenge body is stupid. You look good right now. Right, it's, yeah, she doesn't say revenge body because I think maybe no. Kim Kardashian coined that. Yeah. Or that era. But, like, oh, that's shit. the vibe. But it's, it's like, the, vi- the vibe is like, wow, well, he's gonna rue the day he didn't marry me because I'm gonna lose some weight. Wait. Whoa! <laughs> Um, I also have a thing that says TikTok on the baby. TikTok on the baby. TikTok on the baby machine in your pants. Okay. Did that clarify anything for I, you? I think as much as it could be expected <laughs> to. I think there's some. I do vaguely remember like 
damn, you are a ticking clock, and if you don't get knocked up soon, get fucked forever. Oh, but sure, I don't sure, remember sure. the context I don't at either. all. Like, maybe it is her creepy uncle at a family event being like... Oh, oh, she gets invited to, like, a couple's um, dinner. Yes, and then she gets invited... We are at the plot at this point. Okay, great. Uh, Bridget attends a friend's long-standing dinner party where she's the only single person. Once again, she crosses paths with Mark and Natasha... Mark privately confesses to Bridget that despite her faults, he likes her, quote, just as you are, unquote. Sometime later, as a well-known barrister, he allows Bridget an exclusive TV interview in a landmark legal case, which boosts her career and allows her to begin to see him in a very different light. So, yeah, she's at this dinner with a bunch of married couples. It's and, only like, couples. It's only which, couples, like, and it's like, I'd rather die. It, uh, being a person who was single for five years... Yeah. Hanging out with only couples makes you want to die in such a specific way, even if the couples are nice. And these ones are mean and vicious and, and like smug and about smug being and married. like yeah, just smug about being married and being like, mm, a woman of your age really needs to get it together. Which is like, fast. why are why are there so many women in their thirties who are single? Do you not want to have kids? That's so crazy. Do you, like, want to be, like, a lonely, sad piece of shit? Is that, like, a choice I just would love to do? Like, I'd love to have insight into why you made the choice to be less happy than you could be. Yeah. Like, why, why, like, what's the inspiration? It's so weird that, like, your life is disgusting to me. Oh, I could never. And I won't. Because I'm married. And you're not. Was that not playing? (laughs) Did I not? Did I not clarify? Hammer that in? This is my husband. Oh, my fucking God. So in that scene, someone is like, you're a baby factory, and your days are numbered. And <laughs> then Mark is there with his, like, throwaway-ass-anybody-girlfriend, which is not, no shade on the actress. She does a good job. It's just, like, truly the way that they write her is, like, she's too good at her job to be the love interest. Like, yeah. she's the girlfriend that doesn't work out because she's too good at her job. She's yeah, just, yeah. like, uptight and, like, all about business and has a crush on him but is also a good lawyer. And so, like... Literally, they don't do anything else except emphasize that she's too professional. She's too professional as well as, like, a little snooty. Snooty, sure. But, like, so is he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So it's like, okay, well, that match makes sense. Right, exactly. But, like, she's written in such a way that, like, you don't miss her when she's gone. But, like, as Bridget is leaving, because she's like, fuck this. And I think he follows her downstairs, and he's, like, on the stairs or at the door, and he just says that... He, he says that he likes her quite a lot. She's like, well, you know, like, in spite of these shitty things he said about me, like, in spite of the fact that I fucking drink myself to sleep and yeah. I'm, I'm such I a... smoke, smoke all so fucking much dawn. and I'm stupid and all yeah. these Like, I never say the right thing. And he goes, no, fuck that. I like you just the way that you are. Yeah, and she's like, oh, shit. Oh, is that a great line? Oh. Is that a great oh. thing oh, to say to fuck. someone? Wow. Was that really nice of you to say? Oh, Anyways, fuck. um, I have to cook dinner for my friends. And so that's the plot again. Bridget begins to develop feelings for Mark, and when she misguidedly and somewhat disastrously attempts to cook her own birthday dinner party, he comes to her rescue. <laughs> After a happy dinner celebration with Bridget's friends and Mark, a drunken Daniel arrives and temporarily monopolizes Bridget's attention. Mark leaves, but returns to challenge Daniel, and the two fight in the street, eventually smashing through a window of a Greek restaurant. They eventually call a draw, only to have Daniel mutter, wanker, at Mark as he turns away, and which only Mark can hear, semicolon. 
Mark knocks Daniel down, semicolon. Shocked, Bridget chides Mark and he leaves, but after a self-serving appeal from Daniel, she rejects him as well. Damn. We sure are pushing the boundaries of how a semicolon can technically be used. Just, like, what is legally allowed of this piece of grammar? This piece of punctuation. so. Semicolon. (laughs) That was like a nine-line sentence. That was so crazy. Okay, we're going in. We are at Bridget's birthday party. She is trying to cook herself dinner, and she cannot cook. My my notes say, how is she so dirty? She's so gross. Um, uh, take a shot, everybody. Trope alert. It's goopy in here. It's goopy in here. If you are getting so disastrously fucking dirty and you are not taking a shower. The protagonist of the rom com is is getting so dirty and like getting so dirty is the bigger umbrella, but a significant percentage of this larger category is kitchen dirty. Right. Kitchen dirty. Because some stuff is like we have to dig a hole for charity and now I'm covered in mud. (laughs) Okay, but that's you! Everybody who's listening, send us a message if you ever had to dig a hole for charity. Okay, it's like it's like close enough to a lot of stuff. But it, the fuck. Okay, Listen. it's like under the guise of like she has to go back to her small town and help out at the farm. Like right. that's what you're talking about. But dig a hole for charity. Dig a hole for charity. Put it on a t-shirt, everybody. Oh my god. Oh god, but when we're not digging holes for charity, <laughs> pouring slop on our heads for charity, we are cooking our own birthday dinners and, and doing fucking a bad job. Like, like you're cooking a Nickelodeon-themed meal that explodes like, on you every Like, like you don't understand that you can't put plastic in hot water right. kind of shit. Right, just like... That's like, not cooking string. Everything you can't is cook combusting that. at every stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so she puts a synthetic piece of string around, like, she's chicken like or, like, stew. leek or something. Right, she's, like, wrapping, like, herbs and vegetables and spices and shit to make this stew, but in string that is either part plastic or, like, dyed in a certain way that the whole st- stew turns, like, a milky blue. Yeah. Like an opaque, cloudy blue. Uh-huh. In the way that... If something was, like, dyeing a stew a color... You you would eat it and you would get ill. Like, right. like hospital ill. It wouldn't look like... <laughs> Say it! Say it right now! Cookie Monster Discharge. <laughs> <gasps> Put it on a shirt, everybody! Woo! Oh, like, it wouldn't be milky. There's no justification for why it's milky. Wait, I have a question. No. <laughs> Does Cookie Monster have a vagina in this scenario? As much as anything else. Okay. <laughs> and is have wearing you previously underwear? been picturing a penis on Cookie Monster? <laughs> There's a gaping hole that a hand goes in. <laughs> it's a puppet, I think. Does the discharge get stuck in the hair? <laughs> She makes it an edible stew. Yes. Um, there are... Oh my god. She also, like... There's, like, we're panning over her... Take a shot. She's not like other girls. She can't fucking cook. Um, <laughs> she's got, like, like milky, milky cookie monster stew. And then what I am so positive was oatmeal 
olives, cherry stems, and green food coloring. Yeah. Mixed together in a to pot. To make a gravy. To make, like... It's gravy. I, it's gravy? My asshole, it's gravy. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. It is so stupid. They're just being like, she can't cook. She foraged these things. Some of them are literal wood chips. Bon yeah. appetit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, while she is making a disastrous dinner, Mark knocks on the door... And I think he's just, like, there to be like, sorry, I've been a dick to you. It's sort of a la You've Got Mail. You know, it's sort yeah, of like, yeah. damn, up until now, I've I've been irredeemably a piece of shit. And I'd like to be your friend because here's the thing, I was wrong. Yeah. And so that's very nice uh-huh. and, like, endearing because everything is fully on her terms. It's mm-hmm. her being like, I don't know about you, and him being like, cool, well, let me prove myself to you by being helpful and nice. Yeah, yeah. And attentive. And yeah. so, like, her friends show up and they, like... They all show up and he's there and they all give the best, like, most realistic best friend reactions yeah. of like, oh! Oh, oh, somebody! Oh, I see we're not the only guests at party! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like very, very nice best friend shit and they um, sit down. I have, a, I have a little thing. They're eating and they're like, oh my god, every stage. They're like, this is so bad, how did you... Like, they're all eating it. They're yeah. like, how... Did you do this? This is so right, bad. Right, this is so fucking bad. And, and then they make a toast. Right. And one of them goes... To Bridget. We love her. Just, just as, as she is. is. And everybody's like... Give back up! And that Bridget looking, looking at them all like, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna take you <laughs> outside and I'll straight up kill you. I don't you. care. And they I'll don't care. You. Yeah, The yeah. best friends are like, damn, but it's funny and it's cute and yeah. he's here at your birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, uh, you know who else is at her birthday? It's Hugh Grant. It's Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant shows up drunk with wine, looking good. I mean, he be looking fucking he nice. Be looking, he keeping it right. Like, he, oh. <laughs> he shows oh. up with wine. He's drunk. He's like, damn, it's your birthday. Let's go talk in a different room. I was wrong. I can't stop thinking about you. Also, what's her name broke up with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he now says I'm she, alone and I can't deal with she it. She broke up with me because I couldn't get over you, which... Man, I love a lie you can spot from 200 yards yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, does that look like horseshit? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he's like, he... Okay, so my sorry. next note... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. My next note is, oh my god, what is the timeline? Um, And my next notes are, you're the saddest man alive, talking about Hugh Grant. And the next one says, fight! <laughs> <laughs> my next note is, fight, but in cursive. <laughs> And then, it's raining men! Exclamation point. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The, like, re-release of that song, there was, like, a cover by... The original song came out in, like, the early 80s, but then the cover that is in this movie debuted as a single in this movie. Oh, really? So it was off of new albums, but, like, it came out with this movie. Sure. Hugh Grant is like, I'm being possessive over Renee Zellweger because I'm a piece of shit. And Colin Firth is like, damn, okay, I'm going to leave now. And... Uh, walks out, and Renee is, like, conflicted, and then Colin Firth, like, presumably got downstairs, did some push-ups, and then walked back up the stairs and was like, no, it's time to box. It's time to brawl, baby. And, and so, he says, like, it's you and me outside. Like, yep, he, he says does. a more British version of that, but it's like, Oi. all right, yeah. <laughs> I cordially invite you. <laughs> Pish posh, I'm gonna punch you in the face. <laughs> Cheers, mate. It's time to fucking go. And they go downstairs, and he invited Hugh Grant outside. And then 
Colin says something like, I should have done this a long time ago. And he, and Hugh Grant goes, what? And then is surprised by being punched, which right. is so fucking stupid. Right. Like, Hugh Grant with his hands in his pockets being like, what should you have done a long time ago, guy who just invited me outside, outside <laughs> to Damn. fight over a lady? To fight over a lady. And bless their little hearts, they filmed this punch like Three times. fucking first year undergrad film students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they filmed, so it's a stage punch, right? So, a stage punch is all about angles. The angles that you are perceiving the hit at determine whether or not it's going to look like it was, which is that he was punching like nine inches to the right or the left of his face, yeah, right? Yeah. Or it's going to look like he fully punched him in the face, right? So, like, with stage acting, like, it's, the stakes are higher and you have to be much more careful and, like, that's, just, like, stage combat is trickier because you're relying so much on, like, specific perspective to make moves look real, but you are playing to so many different seats at so many different angles. So, like, your blocking is translating differently to someone on, like, far house right and someone on far house left or in the center or, like, whatever. So, like, you're being blocked in such a way that is, like, best for... The entire audience's experience of thinking the fight looks real enough. But if you're filming, you have every angle at your disposal. Yeah. Any angle. The best angle is the angle that everybody gets to see it at. That is yeah. the privilege that you have because you're filming this. Yeah. So if you're filming a stage punch, filming it from behind the shoulder of the puncher is so fucking stupid. Yeah. Filming the face of the person getting punched straight on. We watched Colin Firth be like, I should have done this a long time ago, and Hugh Grant be like, what might? And then Colin Firth punching punch next to his face. Next to his Just fucking face, so and Hugh being like, oh no, a punch! And like, falling <laughs> down. Like, it's stage combat rules, except the angle we're seeing this it's at... so silly. You straight up are seeing that he doesn't hit him. Yeah. It is so fucking weird. I li like, what is the explanation for that? But... It is one of the more drawn-out brawls I've ever seen in Rome. Yeah, I it mean, lasts it, lasts, for a minute. it lasts for, like, two whole minutes. It's Raining Men is playing. They the get, whole time. The whole time, they, like, start fighting in a Greek restaurant. They're on the street. They go into the restaurant. They're fighting in the restaurant. There's a birthday. They oh, almost one of the, up, the, 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 the male friend in the group goes in to the Greek restaurant before they fight in there and goes, Fight! Yes, there's a real fight outside! <laughs> and all of the waiters from the restaurant come outside and they start screaming. Which is funny. They kick the shit out of each other and then, like, I think just, like, Peter out and then he grant dusts himself off and then calls Mark a wanker. Which is such a silly word to be actually offensive. Yeah. Like, British English is so fucking silly. Yeah. But wanker was enough that... Mark knocks him the fuck out, uh, Colin Firth knocks Hugh Grant out, and then, like... And leaves. Leaves, and then Hugh Grant is lying on the ground and is like, damn, Renee Zellweger, here's the thing. I, like, I think it's something to the effect of, like, I... Oh, I know what it is. What is it? Yeah, tell so, me. So, Hugh Grant is like, I like you so much, nothing else has worked out for me. Yes. Who am I if I can't be with you? Exactly. And Renee is like, that's not good enough for me. She goes, that's not a good enough offer. I'm looking for something more extraordinary than that. Yeah. And that is one of the best versions of that scene yeah. that I've ever seen done. Because it's for sure tropey. It's the 
Fucking it's the like holiday, the... what's her name, Kate Winslet getting to Z formation with her oh, yes. boss. The identical yes. fucking yes. plot set yeah, like, like my shitty the... boss at the publishing company who it's never the right time with. Yes. I get to like yes. stomp it's the him exact out. Same thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. there's like a lot of dating the wrong guy for such a long time mm-hmm. tropes. Right. And but then being like, uh, here it is, and then being like that used to be what I wanted. Right. Well, but him being like, well, I did whatever I wanted for so long, but now I'm plum tuckered out, and I would just like for you to cook for me for the rest of my life, because yeah. I got to, I got to fuck whoever I wanted at your expense, and now I see BCB. Yeah. And I didn't learn any skills, so do you, you took me in real nice right now, <laughs> and tomorrow you fuck me. And then tie my fucking shoes. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. And just, it was, I think, one of the most satisfying versions of the, like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. Because it wasn't her being like, and you're a piece of shit, and I hate you, and you're fat, and you're ugly. It was her being like, I need That's more. not enough for me. Mm-hmm. I'm better than that. And Best of luck. And yeah. that is so fucking great. Bye-bye. So it's the plot now. So it's the plot now. Great. Bridget's mother, Pamela, has left Bridget's father, Colin. Who fucking wrote this plot line? <laughs> Who wrote the plot summary? Who did it? All right. And begun affair with permatanned shopping channel presenter, Julian. When the affair ends, she returns to the Joneses family home with an unintentional revelation. Mark and Daniel's falling out resulted from Daniel, then Mark's best friend at Cambridge University, oh sleeping with Mark's wife, which Mark walked in on, not the other way around. Okay, so I have to rescue this plot summary yes, from itself. Yes, you do. By so, uh, so we have set up that Renee Zellweger's mother has left her father to be with this kind of infomercial guy, and then at the end she comes back, and then what they're saying about Hugh Grant and Colin Firth is that at the beginning, Hugh Grant told us that Colin Firth slept with his fiance after being the best man at his wedding uh-huh. and Colin Firth committed the ultimate act of being such a piece of shit you were my best friend you fucked my fiance holy shit and so this entire movie Renee Zellberg has been like wow everything that Colin Firth does I'm interpreting through the lens of knowing that he did this unforgivable thing yeah and then uh, the mom Pamela comes home has a very, very touching scene with the dad, Professor Slughorn. Who are both great actors. They're classical British actors! Yeah. And they're both, the mom is like, damn, I fucked this up, and I like... I freaked out. I freaked out. I, I felt like he didn't love me, and I felt like nothing I did mattered, and I wanted to... Matter. Matter. And he goes, damn, and you did it a really fucked up way, and I don't know if I can forgive you. And then they resolve on, like, trying to work it out, the mm-hmm. way that, like, partners of 30, 40 years mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And it was just fucking nice and warm and romantic enough and realistic enough that it was just like, yeah. yeah. And then in passing, the mom bookending the film. Yes. Oh my God. Is like, damn. Back did you know again that anti-Japanese rhetoric. Yes. Like, specifically oh anti-Japanese. She's like, damn, just to recap the movie, Colin Firth's fiance the cruel Japanese woman, Ugh. the Japanese woman of a quote-unquote cruel race. She says it again. Him. She says it the exact same way. I wonder if the mom is racist in the book a lot more, or if the mom says that in the book and that's a recurring thing and they're paying homage to, like, 
this woman saying this thing all the time. What the fuck ever? Whatever It doesn't the reason. matter. It's so the fucking The point stupid. is, what the fuck? What? And because, so, like, that is, like, that and, like, the dirty bitch thing keep this movie from, like... Ascending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, they Being really, a Notting Hill. Well, right, exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, yeah. That's what does it. Yes. So she says that stupid thing, and she says... That, uh, she's like, man, the cruel Japanese woman that broke Colin Firth's heart left him for his best friend. Who, who he met at Cambridge. Who, who he met at Cambridge, who he was, like, roommates with at Cambridge, and, like, he was the best man at his wedding, and, like, oh my god, so horrible. Japanese people are so cruel. Anyway, that's my time. And so fucking Bridget Jones is like, holy fucking shit. This whole time, I was wrong. And honestly, it's time for the plot again, because it's the end of the movie, so we're barreling along. Sure. I'm gonna fucking read this next paragraph. All right. At the Darcy's Ruby wedding anniversary party the same day, Bridget confesses her feelings for Mark only to learn that he and Natasha have accepted jobs in New York and are on the verge of an engagement, according to Mark's father. Bridget interrupts the toast with an emotionally moving speech, which peters out as she realizes the hopelessness of her position. Semicolon. Her words clearly have an effect on Mark, but he still flies to New York. Bridget's friends rally to repair her broken heart with a surprise trip to Paris. But as they are about to leave, Mark appears at Bridget's flat. Just as they are about to kiss for the first time, Bridget flies to her bedroom to change into sexier underwear. Mark peeks at her diary, finds her older, unflattering opinions of him, and leaves. Bridget, realizing what he has read and that she might lose him again, runs outside after him in the snow in her tiger-skin-print underwear and a skimpy jumper, but is unable to find him. Disheartened, she is about to return home when Mark appears with a new diary for her to quote-unquote make a fresh start. They kiss in the snow-covered street, and Bridget remarks that, quote, nice boys don't kiss like that, to which Mark retorts, oh, yes, they fucking do. <gasps> All right, so we'll get there. We really will. But first she's got to, what's that? Ruin an event! She's got to ruin an event. Take your fucking shot. Take yes. your shot. So it's the Darcy's, I love that they said ruby wedding. Like, 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 like keeping I know. What stone is for which <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. year. Like, I... I know ten is tin, because it's almost the same word. Wow. That's it. What's diamond? A hundred? A lot. I don't fucking <laughs> know. Yeah, I hate that the first one is like, styrofoam. <laughs> <laughs> you stupid well, piece of shit. The first one is like, bread or some yeah, shit. Yeah, like, it's, yes. I, wait, 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 wait. I need to know. Looking up anniversary gifts by year. Mm. I love this picture that's like, traditional, modern, and in flowers. So, first year, paper. True. Second year, cotton. Third year, leather. Gets pretty good by year three. Um, 20th is china. 25th is silver. 30th is pearl. 40th is ruby. 50th is gold. And 60th is diamond. Okay. 60, okay, okay, okay. Okay. People aren't getting married at 15 anymore. Well, right. I mean, if you are, if you get married at, if you get married at 20 and you're 80, that's your 60th wedding anniversary. That's too much. Yeah, I know. I know. That's the thing is, like, it's not that I don't believe in marriage, but when I think about, like, damn, it's you and me for maybe 60 years. years. I'm, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, oh. It makes the tummy go... A what what? Red alert! <laughs> like, it's not anything about, oh my god! Not anything about you, but did you know that time 
like because of the way that time works and the way that history has progressed, the people we know right now who've been married for 60 years got married under circumstances that were vastly different than our contemporary circumstances. Right. So the way that we I can have a credit card. Exactly, now. like we have agency. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to get married to not starve to yeah. death. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. shit's yeah. different and that's not to be like, oh your grandparents aren't in love. Fuck them. It's but just let like, me tell you, there's a reason why the divorce rate is where it is right, right. now. Because don't get married just cause. And don't get married because I mean, like, fucking get married, it's your business, but just, like, the wild... I mean, I think this... Damn. I made a bet with myself that I was going to find a way to make this about John Mulaney and his divorce. Um, <laughs> I really... Wow. Here's the thing. I think that this opportunity this is with John... John Mulaney stan yes. podcast. Well, the thing is, this thing has become this, like, brand new metric for how fucking boring a person is, right? Like, their reaction to this shit with John Mulaney, people being like, oh my god, well he should have died in the arms of the first person he married because he told jokes about her ten years ago and I like them and so he should be my little puppet who makes nice scenes for me instead yeah. of a real person who fell out of love because like, sometimes people do that. Like, why are we being fucking puritanical about divorce? Why are we trying to cancel this man for getting divorced? Have yeah. we lost our fucking <laughs> senses? Like, I'm like, I'm not trying to like... Like, I don't care. Like, it's not like I'm trying to, like, start a GoFundMe for John Mulaney. It's not like I'm gonna try to rally the fucking troops. I just think that of the things for people to get morally superior about, shut the fuck yeah, up! it's also like, people get out of long-term relationships and then are happier. Yeah. That's how that works a lot of the time. Because you were unhappy for a very long time and you were like, damn, I'm either going to die like this, I'm gonna die on this hill because I promised super good that I would when I was a different version of myself. Yeah. Or I'm gonna, ex like, do what's good for me right now. Do what's good for me, which is, like, also gonna be really painful, and it's gonna be traumatic, and it's gonna be hard. Breakups are hard, but people, like, oh my god, we're picking sides? You fucking virgins? What the fuck? <laughs> I'm so, like, <laughs> holy, and, like, obviously that's... You fucking virgin. <laughs> like, uh -huh! say but just like it is such a like lack of understanding of real human relationships and the intricacies and imperfections of emotionality it's just tying into the like way that we pass moral judgment on divorce as a whole like it's specifically absurd with John Mulaney because his fan base is so young and it's like you're what the fuck what stop it so, what year is it how old are you shut the fuck up but divorce is duh. Like, divorce is duh. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> just like, it's, it happens to half of the people that you meet. Because most people aren't forever. Almost everyone is isn't isn't forever. forever. Okay, everybody do a little thing with me. Remember those people you thought were forever? Mm. And they're not anymore? I have at least ten of them. Right. And that's just like, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Or it sometimes doesn't mean that they're about like nobody is the devil. Sometimes, sometimes people. Yeah, because my people are really, really fucking bad. bad. I just saw a picture but, of them on Instagram, and they can eat my whole booty. That's true. <laughs> but <laughs> but sometimes people just grow apart. Like not even growing apart from each other, but they just aren't growing with each other. And then one day they're very different people, 
and they are allowed to want different things from when they were different people. Mm -hmm. And it is so, ex like, exquisitely fucking embarrassing to get so fucking involved, like, like, morally superior involved in somebody else's romantic life. Yeah. What are you fucking doing? Yeah. Why are we being fucking weird? Divorce should happen. It should happen. If you're unhappy, you shouldn't not have to be unhappy because yeah. you said you would promise if you said you would be unhappy even if what the fuck? You said you'd be with Joshua even if he suddenly decided to stop showering. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing right. is, I can't hang out with Joshua anymore. Right, and also just like what you need changes. Like, you need more things as you grow. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, yeah, when I was 18, I just wanted to hang out. I, I need a lot more than when I was 18. Why is it any different 25 to 35? Right, exactly. You need different things because you have different experiences. You're in different circumstances. You're in a different position in, like, the grand scheme of your life. Mm -hmm. You need different things. And so it's not like... Damn, well, when we were 18 and we were both just cool with hanging out and being each other's sunshine. Yeah, it's also like you promised not to want anything more. Like, that's not what I promised to. Right, exactly. Like, damn, if I have a revelation about my career or the way that I'm spending my time or, like, I experience any number of transformative episodes um, and you can't stay with me, Maybe that's, that's moral else... failing, but maybe it's not. But maybe it's not. Anyways, we've right. gotten we so could truly, far. We could yeah. talk about this for so long, and I will. T I talk about it all the time. I just... Damn, dude. Oh my fucking god. So anyway, <laughs> the point is that Ruby wedding anniversaries... <laughs> <laughs> mean that you are probably in a loveless marriage. No, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> the parents are... It seems wow. like they're happy. Who can say... Wow. It's been five years since we talked about my the movie. parents are like... Five years away from Ruby. Oh my fucking god. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Anyways. Good for them. Good for them. Five years, six years. years. Your parents are not almost 80. Honey, Ruby is 40. That is, that makes Diamond more is 60. Sense. I, was like, <laughs> I was on board, but that's not <laughs> but true. math. Mm. Yes, Ruby, that's true. They're um, very close. Wow. Wow. Anyways, um... They're at this event, and Renee ruins it with being, like, everybody does a cheers to, like, wow, job opportunities in America, congratulations, and Renee's like, oh, but so sad for them to go. Right, so sad that, like, we're losing these lawyers because the United Kingdom is very lucky to have a lawyer, like... Colin Firth, he's the greatest, and he makes the United Kingdom feel alive. <laughs> anyway, it's just like, that's the whole scene, I think, and yeah. she goes home and she's fucking depressed, but her friends are like, we're going to Europe. Um, it's, I'm, we're I going am... to Europe? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but... the thing is, I'm not wrong. <laughs> See Brexit circa a couple years ago. <laughs> you know? Circa that one time. Circa that one time that I remember. <laughs> when it totally was. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
they're like, we're going to Paris, get in the fucking car. And I guess it makes, like, it's pre-9-11, so the fact that they're like, laissez-faire planes are so easy, and we can take off in an hour if we're sitting in the apartment talking about it right but now. But also, can't you get on a little ferry? Uh, is that way too far? To get from England to France? No, I mean, you get on a ferry, and then it's like a three-hour drive. Am I thinking about the storming of Normandy right now, or they're on the boat and everything? You know what? That's between you and your god, because I couldn't tell you one motherfucking <laughs> fact about the storming of Normandy. I barely <laughs> am. I'm almost sure it was in France. I'm, like, like 95%. But, like... It was. If someone gaslit me well enough, I could be persuaded otherwise. Normandy is in France. Um, if I'm wrong about that, I'll fucking end it all. <laughs> I will. Wow. I'm, um, and I'm, like, pretty confident that's true. It is. Yeah. Normandy is in France. That's great. Um, But I don't know why my brain was like, they're just hopping on a ferry. And if the ferry takes nine and a half hours. Oh, well, the ferry takes, like, I've taken that ferry. Um, I've taken. Oh, yeah? Well, uh, it's, uh, it's, like, underground tubes that your buses and cars go in that oh, shoot wow. you under the sea from England to France. Wow. And if you are claustrophobic like me, you spend the entire ride trying not to have an episode because yeah, yeah, you are yeah. in a tube under the ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it does pop you out in northern France. And oh, then, wow. Right, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. So I have, in all caps, my note says, Welcome to New York! So I don't know what that's from. Oh, oh, there's just like... Right? Meatball, meatball! <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, like, he's guys. <laughs> Do you guys like the references to this podcast? To the but last <laughs> episode of this podcast? <laughs> um... He's just, uh, in JFK, and there's, like, welcome to the U.S. signs, and then oh, he, like, sure. steps out onto the street and whatever, and, but, like, and she starts being the saddest bitch yeah, alive Yeah, she's again. so fucking sad, she's with her friends, they're like, fuck this, we're going in the tube under the sea, mm-hmm. get in the car, um, I think they do reference a plane, but, like, sure. I digress. Either way, going to Paris, they, like, pack the car, Bridget is being a sad piece of shit in the middle of the street, and then, like... Everybody's in the car except her, and then Colin first runs up and is like, Bridget Jones, I'm so fucking hot. Remember how this whole movie I was cute, and you were like, alright, he's no Hugh Grant, but that's fine. This is the scene where I- Wait, take it all everything! <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, her friends are like, damn, how you want to go to Paris? And she was like, I think I'm gonna get my back blown out, so I'm gonna go with Mark. And then the friend goes, quote, that's fine. No fucking room anyway, which is so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's and they, so fucking they great. beep beep off in like the tiniest European car you've ever seen, and they go upstairs. Yeah, they're upstairs. And it gets, it gets fucking hot. And Renee Zellweger is like, "Damn, I would like to change into sexy panties." So you wait. Yeah, in the but hallway. like they're like about to kiss in the doorway, and he's like, so obviously like, I flew for ten hours. Yeah, I flew. For, I. Went to New York, I touched the street outside the airport, and then I got back on and a fucking, fucking plane. plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's fuck right now. And oh my she's god. like, damn, I gotta put on zebra print, zebra animal print stripe underwear. <laughs> yeah, that this was This fucking Wikipedia fuck. summary yeah. was mostly fine, but there were a couple things, the a way couple it, choices like, that were made. The way, a robot would say that. Um, and she has to put on her sexy panties, and he reads her diary, and there's like, it's just, Entries. like, out on the coffee table. Yeah, yeah. And she's, like, skimming through it. That's Which a- is the most, that is red flag ass shit. I had a boyfriend scroll through my Tumblr once, and I was like, I'll kill you. Oh my god, dude. That is so, 
It's like it's like you accidentally leave your phone open and somebody's scrolling oh, through your going Instagram. Through it. Yeah, are you what? What? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. that shit that shit is so fucking wild. Um he also He's, like because it's a diary, it's dated. Mhm. He knows their but that was November. He knows that he was being such an asshole to her in November. Mm-hmm. And she's dated this page November, right? So her on this page being like, fuck Mark Darcy, he can suck on his own butt. Like, he's re- reading this diary. <laughs> <laughs> Ew! <laughs> well, she's just like, there are all these entries. Um, they're always the last line of her diary entry, and they all say like, Mark Darcy is stinky! <laughs> yeah. Wow! Poopy, poopy, bro. <laughs> Fuck that guy! He's probably yeah. stupid. Like, it's just, it's all these fucking... Yeah, that frigid bitch. Yeah, just all these lines that, like, sure, that'll hurt your feelings, but also you're an adult, like, with access to the date that that was written on, yeah. and, like, you remember what you said. You yeah. remember you were mean. She's allowed to have hated you when you were mean. Yeah. Duh. But he gets his feelings hurt and he runs out while she's changing. And so she, um, or like, he just disappears. He leaves the house. And so the audience is meant to infer that he's so upset that he left. And so she comes out, she's in her fancy underwear, and he's gone. And she's like, oh, bollocks. And so she puts on a sweater, but no, no pants. She puts on undies, a sweater, no pants. And she, like, runs out after him, and she's, like, booking it through the holiday streets of England. It's Mm -hmm. snowy. Old ladies are looking at her. And then she, like, finds Mark Darcy coming out of a bookshop. He's bought her a new diary that he can, like, put new memories in. Which, what? Yeah, it's, like, right now. Baby, buy that for me in the Morgan. Like, I... (laughs) Yeah. It's it's go time. It's fuck time right now. Are you kidding kidding me? I, we... (laughs) Like a lawnmower that you're getting started, you've revved the fucking engine. You can't like, be like, it's... I went shopping! <laughs> yeah. I bought you this very nice accessory when I went shopping after I got you very, very, <laughs> very fucking, very, it's, well, it's go time now! I got you Randy. Like, <laughs> I, wow! And so, like, they, they kiss in the middle of the street. They kiss in the middle of the street and, like, truly, it was, I was so frustrated by the end of this because they did one too many. Yes. They did one yes. too many chases, will they, won't they, I gotta go after you, I gotcha. Uh-huh. They should have ended with him showing up and, like, she almost goes on vacation, but then she doesn't because they kiss. We yeah. didn't need the, like, whoopsie-doopsie, double fake-out, mm-hmm. he reads her diary and leaves, but actually doesn't leave, yeah. actually likes her real good, but she <laughs> run in underwear. Oh, no! Yeah, they just like, needed the underwear chase scene for no reason. Just yeah. to see that she's so quirky and cute. Yep. But they kiss, and she says, <gasps> she says, nice boys don't kiss like that. And what does he say? He goes, oh, yes, they fucking do. And it's hot! <laughs> it's so hot! It's so hot! It's so hot! But oh, my God. it's like, oh, yes, they fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I have, like, my last note is, oh! Circled, like, seven times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh! My last note, I have two. One says... She's got her fucking, like, jumper on, and her- you can't see her fucking hands, and she's got Ariana Grande fucking (laughs) sleeves, and then the last note is, I've never been so wrong. (laughs) And that 
really does Casa. very organically to the end to our conclusion of yes. this episode, which is that we've never been so we've wrong. never been so wrong never in our lives. Um, never that we've been, been so fucking wrong. So embarrassed about not seeing this movie. Again, I'd like to reiterate, everybody I've ever known is dead to me. Yeah, you all have to Venmo Charlie. Straight up, straight up Venmo me. It's true. I cannot, ooh, I cannot deal. Um, Olivia, what would you rate this movie? Oh, God. I think, the thing is, it did so many things so well. I mean, I think I want to rate this a B plus. I think I want to rate this B plus. Um, which I think, I think you're gonna give it an A. I see it. It's in my sights. Um, so I... silly you would say that. <laughs> but I think... Okay, number one, there are no people of color in this movie. Well, right. I the mean, only it's... mention of people of color is saying Japanese. What a cruel what a cruel race. race. Um, also, man, vaguely out... Weird Auschwitz reference, anyway. Yeah. No need to acknowledge any of... I mean, it's a British rom-com, right? Like, mm. it's, it's the whitest version of this unbelievably white genre, just, uh, but, uh, mm -hmm. duh, very bad, also, Renee Zellweger's British accent, so distractingly bad, and you do get lulled into a false sense of it being, because it is really charming, you know, yeah. you do, it does sort of fade away, it's like a Stockholm Syndrome of the way their <laughs> fucking voice sounds, um, but, I mean, it is, maybe I do need to amend that. Maybe it gets an A from me. Not because those things don't warrant a B plus. I really do think um, that just, like, I didn't like the way that it was shot. I don't think it was bad. I just think it's, like, in a style that makes me really uncomfortable and I don't like it. It's just ugly. Like, why did it have to be ugly when it could have not been ugly? And I know that's British. I know it's, like, you like that. I don't really like it. I just different. But I will say, um, Hugh Grant and Colin Firth, like, battling it out for <laughs> the sexiest possible fucking guy! Like, the whoo! Just, like, it was, it was so good! It was so good! Like, it, it, it lifted me out of my body, and, like, that is, that was enough. Commendable! Yes. There were two dudes in it that right. were like, how did you I do would that? do whatever, whatever. How did they do that twice? Also, because I... They had me on the ropes with fucking Colin Firth. Like, Hugh Grant out the gate, I was like, oh, well, like, you could turn me inside out. You could do it. Um, but it was in the 11th hour with Colin Firth where yeah. I was like, I, I saw him, I think the most, like, I know I had seen him in other stuff, but, like, my real introductory Colin Firth role was when he played the gay dad in Mamma Mia, which I know you haven't seen, but I'm gonna make Charlie watch Mamma Mia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be amazing. Um, he is not, it's not like he's, unattractive. But he's not sexy. Well, he's a dad. Movie. Right, he's a fucking dad. Well, he's... I mean, he's also, like, Mamma Mia came out in the time where, like, gay is sexless. Well, right. Like, you've sure. gotta not fuck if you're gay. That's so fucking fair. But... And, like, I know that, like, he's hot as Mr. Darcy, but in, like, a in like a reserved way. Like, in an old-timey British antique fucking way, Charlie is, like, swooning <laughs> right now to emphasize my fucking point. He um, looks so good in, like, I know. John first. It's... <laughs> he looks so ruffly, and she can't <laughs> fucking help herself. Um, however, in the way that I never expected to feel like my cervix, <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just like roll over, just whoo, like looking at Colin Firth, watching him talk, my reproductive organs were like, hey, <laughs> just, very, very jarring. Get it going. <laughs> it's uh, well. Up. So I do, I do want to um, acknowledge that, and also Renee Zellweger. Really, the underdog in my own fucking brain. I know you're a very good actress, but the way that you but went yeah, from, like it's shocking. She's what she so could do. fucking good. That uh, 
producer making the observation of like her straddling comedy and emotion mm-hmm. was just right on the fucking money and mm-hmm. like yeah that because the sense. thing is she's fu- this character is fucking pathetic she's so at the beginning she's fucking pathetic and she really turns it around to be like also we didn't even really talk about like her career she quits this oh horrible job God. under Hugh Grant and gets like kind of a shitty journalist job and then it's Mr. Darcy it's fucking Colin Firth as a barrister, the fact that they call lawyers barristers in England is, is so silly. Hilarious. Uh, but they, like, he, he gets, give, her, gets the her an scoop. In, like, an yeah. interview with a, a refugee who is, like, vying for status and maybe gonna get sent back. And then they're these, it's, it's a big, it's a big get. And yeah. then she becomes a TV journalist, right? Uh-huh. So, like, her career blows up, right? This movie is, she just, like, like self-esteem journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. She's slowly coming into herself. She's, like, feeling a little more confident, getting it going, and she convincingly turns it around. Yeah, for In a sure. way that most people, I think, you'd be like, okay, but remember when you were so fucking horrible, like, 30 minutes ago? Well, I she can't do that. does a really good job, and also, like, she's so pathetic. She does such a good job at doing that without alienating you from her character, mm-hmm. because... She manages to be that amount of pathetic without making you be like, oh, I can't watch this. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't. I have to look away from this. Which, admittedly, we felt that way at first. But just, like, she really, she does keep you engaged as an adult audience member long enough to win you the fuck over. And then you're so invested in her journey. And I think, like, part of that, like, that unbelievable acting means that, like, the result is better. The fact that she has this journey, like, ex- like engaging with her lack of self-esteem and building her own self-esteem and discovering herself, it's more believable than, like, Catherine Heigl and The Ugly Truth being like, well, I've always looked like Catherine Heigl, and yet I've never had a sexual experience, and I don't know how to handle <laughs> men thinking I'm attractive. Like, yeah, yeah, shit's yeah. not fucking adding up. Yeah, this yeah, woman's yeah. experience... She's a real lady. Yeah, the way that she's portraying lack of self-esteem mm-hmm. is yeah. consistent with reality yeah. as opposed to Catherine Heigl being like, well, I look like this and I dress like this. Um, but I'm somehow frigid and a prude and yeah. I've never thought well, about it. But also, my like, own reasonably, it reasonably makes Pride and Prejudice something that's happening right now. Yeah. That's what it does. Like, Absolutely. In a way where it's my favorite movie, my favorite story of all time. It's just people going over to other people's houses. That is the entire fucking the story. The old hanging out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, your sister has a cold. Four months later. Yeah. Like, it is so fucking slow and silly, and this brings it into a real place where it's about a woman's growth rather than her proximity to dudes. Yeah. Which is kind of what the original story did, yeah. but only in the context of when a 1923... Right. 19... 1823. And England. I believed you. <laughs> I know you time. did it! <laughs> I was like, that's a long time ago. <laughs> so it's the same as also a long time ago. Um, well, uh, Charlie, what would you rate this movie? I would rate it an A. Like a solid A, no plus, no minus. I think, to date, the best thing we've ever seen is Notting Hill. Yeah. Um, which is like a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it has nothing wrong with it. I think it's kind of the conclusion that we came to. I think maybe there's, like, a thing or two that we're like, oop, this is pretty damn fucking close. Yeah, this is, um, this is good, good, good. And 
like the way that oh I'm talking over your review your part <laughs> I talked now you fucking talk motherfucker um, yeah I think it's flawless like it's a it's a woman's journey into coming into herself as well as a romantic exploration you know like dating the shitty guy and then like somebody says something nice to you and you're like oh people can just be nice to me like people like something switches in her brain and she's like well I know kind of more of what I deserve now yeah and that's very cool very interesting um yeah what were you gonna say I mean, fuck, thank you, that's very nice. I, sorry, I interrupted you. I think something that occurred to me was just, like, it managed to be this very engaging, um, effective story about self-esteem and also an epic romance, Mm -hmm. and those things didn't detract from each other or, like, suffer for the other. They engaged with each other and, like, emboldened each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is... I so fucking hard. The product of it being based on a very cool piece of literature and a, sure. like a lot of other very cool art, but just n- no less fucking rad. Mm-hmm. So fun to watch. Um, also, straight up, they could re-release Bridget Jones having edited out the weird anti-Japanese jokes at the beginning and the end of the movie. These entirely superfluous lines of, like, Japanese people are cruel. Are you what's to eat? Are you hungry? How's the weather? Just, like, yeah. could completely yeah. be lifted out. Uh-huh. And Dirty Bitch could also be lifted dirty out. Dirty Bitch could be lifted out. Because so fucking superfluous and so fucking jarring also to the extent like that... Guys. any person of color. Just and anywhere. And literally thing. anywhere in the film. England is... Not that white. Colonizer England, very white. Demographically London right now? I would wager we could have gotten some non-white people in this movie! Anyway. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. That's true. We shockingly loved this movie. Um, Please keep tuning in. Thank you for it. All of our new listeners, um, everybody who's been here the whole time, please remember to subscribe, like, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Here's the thing. We can see how many people listen to the podcast. We have access to the analytics. And then we can see how many people reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. And, like, I don't mean to be this guy. Those numbers are different. So, like, if everybody could get to seven. Um, And I'm joking. Except that I'm a little bit not joking. So if you feel so inclined and you would like to, like, hop on... Apple website. Apples? Apples. Apple spot. <laughs> Everyone! Go to Apple website! So good for you and me! Apples! I'm so sorry! Also, I do want to shout out me and Charlie for doing this whole episode with the air conditioner off for you! <laughs> for you! For you! I'm so I'm hot. so fucking I'm toasty. damp in here. We're so excited to be back. We love you so much. Thank you for your support, and tell your friends so that one day we won't have to have other jobs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You take care. Have a great week. Have a great one, and bye bye